Welcome back, dude and dudettes, to another wild episode of Send It, Mate. We're here to talk about all things hunting and outdoors, and today we've got something that'll keep your gear running smoother than a dingo's getaway. That's right, our show is brought to you by High Calibre, the gun and knife hole company that knows how to keep your firearms and blades in tip-top shape. High Calibre is like the secret sauce for hunters, anglers and outdoorsy folk everywhere. It's like the magic potion that makes your gun and knives happier than a dog with two tails. You know, guys, I've been using high-caliber oil for a while now, and let me tell you, it's the duck's nuts. My rifle practically sings a lullaby when I take it out hunting. And speaking of lullabies, ever tried sneaking up on a deer with a squeaky gun? It's a prime way to end up with no venison in the freezer. You'll be hungrier than a vegan at a bacon festival. Absolutely. But with high-caliber oil, your gun will be quieter than a ninja in moonlight. You'll be stalking your prey with the grace and stealth of a mountain lion. High Calibre doesn't just keep things quiet, it also prevents rust and corrosion, so you won't find your gear looking like it's spent a season at the bottom of a creek. That's right, and for you knife enthusiasts out there, High Calibre has got you covered too. Your trusty blade will slice through anything smoother than butter on a hot biscuit. So folks, don't let your gear become a rusty squeaky mess. Head on over to highcalibre.com.au and grab a bottle of their oil today. And if you use the code SENDITMATE at checkout, you'll get a special discount. I say again, use the code SENDITMATE for all your oil slick, stealthy hunting needs. Thanks to High Calibre, you'll be sending it in style and silence. So, gear up, oil up, and send it, mate. High Calibre, the ultimate oil for the ultimate hunter. Welcome to another episode of Center Made Podcast. I'm Caleb. I'm Josh. And I'm Couchy. And we are on location tonight. With we a are. Special guest. <laughs> it's quite daunting, to be honest. <laughs> bit of a change of scenery. It is. It's a wee bit more professional. It is. We're, we're looking at a professional setup for the first time. We have bright lights in our faces. And it kind of feels good, though. It does. Do, does it? <laughs> well, I, I you, can't see Couchy. <laughs> I'm like deer in headlights. Josh is struggling with the performance anxiety already before we've even kicked away, but it's all good. We have a special guest with us tonight. We've got Rusty, and you may know him from one of many things, Impact Dynamics, PRS, Scoped Out, Projectile Warehouse, you name it. Rusty, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you very much. I, I thought that might be a benefit if you couldn't see Couchy. Yeah. I, thought, I, thought, I thought it was a plus for you. but I think it's a benefit you. for me. You can't see. <laughs> he is pretty gross to look at. So. <laughs> right, yeah. Wow. He got, he got real harsh real quick. Yes. Small man syndrome, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Well, you've got to make it up somewhere. If it's not in height, you've got to make it up in attitude. <laughs> or just... Sling insults at each other when we're slightly yeah. nervous. I think that's just what <laughs> yeah, that, that's the other thing. <laughs> Is that it? Just get stuck into each other. Yeah, yeah. just deflect, Perfect. deflect. Yeah, yeah. but nice. yeah, we, we are quite excited tonight, Rusty, to uh, to get to know you better, hear a bit about your business adventures and your outdoor life. So, I think, boys, what do you reckon? Shall we just get straight into the questions and then we can digress wherever we need to? 
It's cracking up. We can. There will be tangents, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) We've already had a few before before we press record. (laughs) Exactly. Well, uh, yeah, we'll talk about where we're sitting at the moment um, as well in your lovely office space with uh, the downstairs area, which we just had a tour of before. But uh, Rusty, first question. It's an Mm. easy one, mate. Where are you from? From Adelaide. From the same place as you guys. Awesome. Mm. Bred bred here how many years ago and uh, haven't – I've travelled but not ever lived anywhere else. Good. Yeah, well, awesome. no, no reason to, right? No reason to. From the CBD or birds? Uh, from or? just south. Yeah, oh, just okay. south. In fact, I actually grew up in the suburb we're in now. Oh, oh where, right. I was, where I f- spent my first eight years here. Oh, there you go. Well, <laughs> we're, we're from, well, I've, I've grew up in Adelaide Hills and then mm-hmm. I've always been northeast. Mm-hmm. And uh, I find the south. Very foreign. It's a weird it thing. Like you get yeah. the other side. We try and keep you guys out. That's why <laughs> this, is, this is intentional. So you guys feel like oh, I really don't feel comfortable down here. That's intentional. <laughs> Fair enough. It is. It's like you're driving like an hour down the road from where we live, and then you're in a different part of the country. It's it's a strange feeling to be honest. It's sort of swanky, but you know, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> swanky. Have you been to Christie's Beach? Yeah, it's sort of like half swanky. It's oh, hang on, how, how far south are we going? Because I'm washing my hands of that far south. <laughs> okay, so not not the dirty south, <laughs> just not the dirty just south. south of the city, Fair just enough. south of the city. Yep, yep. Within sort of fifteen minutes or so, twenty minutes maybe. Okay, keep it within that. Well, anything with beach in its name is it. It just sounds automatically appealing. Christie's <laughs> Beach. It's like, oh, that sounds like a nice place to live. Yeah, give, give it a crack. Come on. <laughs> I'll take my, my meth and head down there. <laughs> You'll last two seconds down there then. All right, let's keep it rolling with Rusty. What's your favourite food? Uh, well, we'll go, we'll go with pizza because we seem to order that a lot here. Um, and I'm sure that's a pretty common one, nothing uh, nothing elaborate, but we'll stick with pizza. Is there a favourite? All, all of them. Yeah, pretty happy, pretty, pretty happy with all of them. Uh, best pizza I've ever had has been in – so we travel over to Vegas for Shot, shot Show. Uh, yep. Now it's every year. And there's a place there called Giorgio's, something on those lines. Uh, I know where it is, and they do deep dish pizza. And so you're talking – so we, we went there originally with a guy – Guy from Darwin called Butters, really good competition shooter, um, keen hunter as well. And uh, we went there, and they said, "Oh, you know, for the for the two of you guys, you should get a small." And we're like, we looked at them, and you know, I'm not a small guy, and Butters is not not big bloke, but he's not tiny either. And we're like, really, we should get a small? And they're like, yeah, you guys should get a small. They were correct because the pizza came out about an inch and a half thick, and we. Only just completed it and stuffed ourselves to complete it. It was uh, it's pretty amazing pizza. So it's more like uh, a pie. It is pretty much like a pie. It is wow. just it is thick, thick, thick. And so when I was there earlier this year, I'm, I uh, on the last day as I was heading to the airport, I grabbed a. You can buy by the slice as well, so I grabbed a slice, and that was enough. There was a, <laughs> there was a lot of pizza in that. So very good. Yeah, and we we uh, there would be tangents. I told you. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. Well, here's another one. Mm. Pineapple oh, on pizza or not? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing you're wrong you're with any toppings on pizza. The pineapple's great. Because it, it's all going to taste like the same thing at, well, after when a it couple comes of chews. <laughs> Did you yeah. say, wait, you're gonna, how are you going to taste it when it comes when out? When it comes up. <laughs> when it comes up. Wow. When it comes out. I mean, but ne- neither's great. But <laughs> <laughs> all right. How much Jack Daniels have we got here tonight? <laughs> it's only my second. Let's, uh, let's order some pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. All right, Rusty, what's your first job? My first job was newspaper, newspaper boy, sending, riding around the suburbs, flicking out newspapers. 
Did you ever de- deliberately throw one at someone? hundred percent. Well, more so the cats. Cats were a favourite target. Uh, and then turns out I was allergic to the ink and started getting out huge rashes from folding the papers because back oh. then we had to fold them yourself. And um, I had to give it up. I remember the last, the last month my parents like doing it all because I literally couldn't go near the damn things. So yeah, wow, that's different. That was that was unexpected <laughs> from my point either. Did you still get paid? For of course that last I did. Month? My whole like thirteen dollars a month you made. I think you just worked out if you made up an excuse why you couldn't do it, your parents would do it for you. I've done that all my life. <laughs> all my, life. my dad actually runs a shop here. <laughs> just allergic to customers. <laughs> oh, that's a corker. All right, Rusty. If you could trade places with anyone in the world, who would mm. that be? Probably Josh because he's not being interviewed right now. <laughs> not, not that Josh's here. That, no, no. Uh, I have, I have no idea. Do you know what I'm? Uh, you know, nothing. Nothing's perfect about life, but you have to, you know, accept what you've got, and uh, I'll take that. But if we had to choose someone, uh, we'd probably. I mean, Daniel Ricciardo gets a lot of attention, doesn't he? He's, he's not like traveling the world. I mean, he can't drive a car at the moment, but no. um, yeah, it's not a terrible lifestyle. Hang on, who? Oh God. Yep. Right. <laughs> Support Australians. Good job. <laughs> Sorry. Formula One driver. Oh. He's Australian. Yeah, yeah. He's from WA. He's a good bloke. He's the guy that does a shoey. Yeah. yeah. It's been having a rough few seasons, but he's been still, still going right. Yeah, no, no. That's, it's, <laughs> I think, I think well, you're season. not invited to our F1 <laughs> podcast, are you? <laughs> Josh just yeah. immerses himself so much in the outdoor hunting and shooting lifestyle that he just doesn't know about anything else. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. That's right. I'm even making excuses for you. I mate. think it's more the algorithms on the YouTube don't come mm. up with that sort of stuff. You, you t- you're dropping a lot of wrong things, mate. <laughs> Is it though? <laughs> Is it the yeah, wrong yeah, thing? no, I, I'm not even willing to repeat it. I know you guys go pretty, uh, pretty deep on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, if you're on YouTube, you're in the wrong platform for that. <laughs> oh no, there's a dark side. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, tell me more. <laughs> you know all about. You wrote it. Well, speaking of the dark side, what's mm. the most dangerous thing you've ever done, Rusty? Talking to you. <laughs> Sorry. No, talking to you. Um, uh, the most dangerous thing I've ever done. That's um, going to have to take a little bit. Uh, it's not the most dangerous because this would be underselling it. But I can tell you something that we probably probably shouldn't have done. And then I maybe I'll, maybe I'll think of another story. Um, we were out in New South Wales, country New South Wales on this quarter million acre property and we uh, we got lost a little bit. There's no reception, no GPS. We didn't have GPS. We we're not that smart, nor do we have the money to buy anything at that stage. <laughs> I'll go with not that smart. And we uh, we thought, all right, we're proper lost here in a massive property. We've got no idea where we are. It's four in the morning. We've got a uh, – I think one of the lads from Night Force from the US had come over, so he was useless at navigation because, you know, didn't know the, didn't know the area. Um <laughs> And we knew that the, prop, the the house we were trying to get to was north and the highway was west. So we figured if we could go north or west, we would eventually get somewhere, either the, the, the road that would take us back to the main the, the, the property or we'd end up at the property, you know, at the house. So we, we decided we would just drive north or west and never change from that. And so we're driving along, we're sort of, you know, going through all the gaps and this is in a, in a, in a Hilux. And we came to this sort of semicircle of trees and it was, uh, you know, just, just we couldn't go north or west. We would have had to go something else, some other direction to be able to get around this. And I'm like, well, that's not part of the game plan. <laughs> and I'm iron off all the trees. 
and I looked at two of them and I'm like, yeah, I reckon I, I reckon we might make this work. So I said, all right, boys, hold on, and we floored it into this tree. <laughs> I fortunately enough did pick the dead one and it collapsed straight down and uh, we moved it out of the way and drove through and kept on going north and uh, north and west. Uh, it probably wasn't the smartest thing to do in hindsight is just flooring a car at a tree that you hope is dead. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but we did. And uh, another time we uh, – so I told you I think another one. Yeah. Um, another time we were out spotlighting early, early morning and we were on a property we knew extremely well. Like we knew every part of it and could almost drive it blindfolded. And there was one area that we uh, – there was one area that we didn't drive around because, you know, we for, for reasons that had long been lost to time because we'd been shooting on this place for, you know, 15 years or something. And so uh, we came up and we were chasing – Fox or something on those lines, we had uh, the, the general operations manager for Night Force in the US on the back, mm. uh, one of the techs from Australia on the back, and I was in the cab. And we're flying through this long grass, and it's the, the foxes run through the area uh, that we never drove in. And we never remembered why we didn't drive in there. And in the split second decision I had, I didn't remember why we didn't drive in there until we drove in there. And there was a mound that was as high as a tall grass, which would have been sort of nipple height. And uh, and we hit the mound and we launched a pilux. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But as a unit of measurement, nipple height. Nipple height. <laughs> Like, okay, uh, most people would say chest height. <laughs> I was just trying to be more specific than that. I was trying to be more accurate. So in long range shooting, that's what I'm into. You got to be more accurate. So we're back to the nipple height mound, and you're flying along this in this Hilux at you know, 60, 70 k an hour. Hit this mound, and we launched, and we cleared seven meters uh, completely in the air before we landed. Uh, face my face into the steering wheel, and the steering wheel on the Hilux gave way and so that whatever brackets are in there is designed to, to drop apparently yeah. apparently and I smashed my face into it the thing dropped on the steering wheel dropped on the ground um, and I had the the I guess instinct to not slam the brakes on because I had two lads on the back and went I definitely should not do that <laughs> and uh, didn't like slowed up got out and and just like, made sure they were okay fortunate enough they were both okay mm-hmm. We weren't we weren't in the best condition, but we were all okay. And the gun was all safe because that's how we roll. We, the guns are always open, bolts open, and ammo's not ready to roll until we are ready to take the shot. Yep. Um, and so that was all okay. But I tell you what, we uh, we like made sure everything was good. We're like, all right, oh wow. <laughs> and then uh, a mate of ours came out that morning, uh, and we were we were meant to spend the day long range shooting. Yep. And so he he rolled in. We were all like just laying on the ground, not not. You know, just just trying to stomach what had happened and recover. And it's like, you know, seven in the morning he rolls up and he's all pumped because he's about to, you know, shoot, you know, a mile or something like that. And it's like all, all excited. And he, uh, he rolls up and gets out of the car. He's like, morning, guys, how are you? <laughs> and we're just uh, – <laughs> <laughs> this groan back to him and I think we were not interested at all. And fortunately enough, everyone was okay. But that was probably the most dangerous thing I can think of. wasn't wasn't smart. And uh, we worked out why we never drove into that area again. Uh, <laughs> Real quick. Wasn't, wasn't long grass. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> was wasn't, the wasn't all or what? 
the Hilux yeah. uh, blew out all the suspension. Oh. Uh, and and the steering wheel apparently – I rang a mate who worked for Toyota and told me that you could actually push it and clip it back in. So oh, that was man. that was useful. Um, but I had to replace all the suspension. So I went down to the – wherever you get suspension replaced, um, tyres and stuff, and, and I went in there and I said, all right, this is what happened. This is why it's trashed. This is factory suspension. I said, give me something uh, that, you know, like will we'll be – much better. When I went and picked it up a week later or whatever, the guy's like, right, you could do that same thing. You'll be fine. You just drive away without without concern. And I'm like, all right, well, I hopefully I'll never try that. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we sold that car eventually, uh, happily. There you go. Never buy a used car from Rusty. <laughs> <laughs> Not that one. Not that one. How did the boys on the back manage to hang on? Um, um, arms around, I guess. Um, That's a fair effort. Yeah, and I mean, we we hit the ground and kept rolling, so yeah. kept going. And then I, I don't know why I, I didn't, but I didn't sand the brakes on because I figured if something had happened to those guys, I kind of want to not. You know, can you imagine hitting the ground and then slamming the brakes on, and they would end up over the top of the van yeah. or something. The the you, um, and we were so fortunate. We we'd been half a foot left or right of this mound, we would have gone an angle because it dropped away. Uh, so we we yeah. nailed we nailed it, <laughs> we nailed it. So it was real real redneck light spot lighting. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah no, we had the Confederate flag on the roof. <laughs> <laughs> what's her name from Dukes of Hazard playing in the background? What's that? Oh, what's the lady's name? Oh, blonde chick. She's a singer. I can't think of the name. Jess. Are you talking about Jessica Simpson? Who yeah, that's played it, Daisy yeah. Duke. That's it. Okay. Oh, yeah. I thought we were doing the original series. <laughs> <laughs> Start to show the age now. <laughs> Different vintage, Rusty. <laughs> Different vintage. <laughs> yeah, wow, nice Good. one, man. Anyway, carry, carry on. All carry right. On. Well, your next question is what's the best piece of advice you've ever given? Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I somehow thought that was going to be the answer. But don't do that. What was the question? Sorry. What's the best piece of advice you've ever been given? Ever been given? Hmm, that's a good question. Could, be, could, be in, could be in life in general, yeah, could be in let's business. Let's go with uh, zero is better than one. Right. Okay. Oh, you have to expand on that one. Yeah, I, um, I will. <laughs> it's uh, it's not obviously not my, my piece of advice, but it's been meaningful to me in that um, sometimes your, your, your desires are right up here, like what you're aiming for is up here. Business is, is where it works and, you know, in, in general life. Like often you've got something like a, a decision or like, sorry, a goal in mind that you're trying to achieve, right? And sometimes you're sort of – you're not willing to take some – some uh, you, you work up to it. Sometimes you sort of just like, oh, I just I just want to be super like, I don't know, like super good at, um, at hunting, right? I want to be amazing at, at hunting. And so you don't do any of the things that actually like would be good because you might be embarrassed about how they re- the result for you. You know, my world now more so is competition shooting. Mm-hmm. You don't shoot a comp because you're embarrassed about that you don't want to come last. Yeah. And and um, sorry, what did I what did I say is the quote? Zero, zero is better than one. one. No, other way around. See a trick, Jill. No, <laughs> one is better than zero. One is greater than zero. Um, and so getting getting one run on the board is better than none. Yep. Getting yeah, you know, and and sort of keep going. To just take taking the little wins from time to time when you can okay. is better. You know, I, I bollocks that up from the start. But um, how many cheese do we have? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, one is, one is greater than zero. And so you you sort of you always always taking like a little step. And so if your if your goal is to be the most amazing hunter, we well, got to start somewhere. And you got to start with that. You can't. You, you you would meet these guys who you know sort of talk about all the massive hunting plans they want to do, and they want to go to New Zealand and get helicopter dropped into somewhere, all this sort of gear. But they actually haven't taken a rifle out and gone and shot a deer. 
And so they've got these amazing, which is great. It's great to have goals in life and things, but you actually need to go and put the work in to work towards that. And so being able to sort of get, get one run on the board is better than, than just sitting at home and doing nothing. It's true. Yep. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I like it. Now, Once I got it right. But, <laughs> we got there. But, well, well, that's interesting you say that because last weekend was my second time to Monado, actually, and I oh, watched yeah. the PRS comp that they had there. And I want to do it. But it's like, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I want to shoot in front of all these people. But I mean, that's very true. I mean, you're not going to get better unless you, unless you just do it. Yeah, so, it's it's so true. Yeah, mm. it's it's so true. And um, and you see that in so many so many areas that we we face that one. And and oh yeah, I'll be honest. Like, so I shot my first PRS match after being connected to this stuff for six years, seven years. You know, the PRS kicked off in 2017. We were running comps before that. Um, I'd shot matches before, but I've never shot a top-level PRS match. And, you know, people have an expectation for it, or perhaps it's imagined, but you feel people have an expectation. Well, you, you know, the PRS director, you meant to run all these comps. Mm. You know, you should be at the top top end. I'm yeah. like, well, I'm not going to be because I don't shoot anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do it. And, I, you know, I'm too busy organising events and stuff like that. And so I went up and, and shot in Darwin, had a – all of the time, and we, we just put a video out about it, uh, which was a, a bit of a raw thing of like, you know, I, I didn't do amazing, did all right, um, but, you know, you, you, you've got to actually go out and have a go. And so same with, you know, a lot of the guys who get stuck into whip, be it hunting, be it, be it whatever it might be, having a crack at it. And, mm. you know, you go out there and you do really poorly and you come last. But the chances are – no one cares. Like I tell you now, from from being at, you know, every level of PRS, both from, from the little club matches here to the ones we used to do, in the you know, out in the paddocks, through to stuff at the international stage, no one cares where you come. You mm. know, particularly in your first one, if you uh, rock up and you point the gun the right direction, they're all cheering you on. Like that's yeah. – that's, you know, you've done mm. extremely well. And so – but, you know, sometimes it does take a little bit to sort of self-reflect and go, oh, actually, you know what, but they don't probably, they probably don't care. <laughs> you know, do, be safe and do those sort of things well and ask heaps of questions. But actually people, people, people um, with, with hobbies, which is, you know, my, my business works in what for majority of people, majority of our business is in, is in people with their hobbies. People like seeing other people get involved with hobby because they know that that's good for what you do. And on the, I mean, of course, there's wankers out there, but in general, you know, you, you someone's uh, joins a, uh, and I don't know if you guys do anything with ADA or something like that, but yep. a new member goes along to yep. ADA, you're stoked for them because they're taking mm. that step to get involved, to learn more. They're showing that they're interested in whatever they're doing and they're wanting to to get more involved. And I think that that is so critical. And that's where you know that, that, that one is greater than zero. Do, doing something is better. Better than nothing. So yeah. I encourage you yeah. to, to give it a crack, man, and mm. you know, what, whatever it might be. I mean, we're, we're very passionate about getting new people involved in the sport. But something yeah. I think we've found as a perception out there to people who are interested in getting into it is there's so much polished content out there mm. when they watch it on YouTube or whatever and they think you have to be a sniper to go hunting and that you have to be at this level straight off the bat and it actually discourages people from giving it a go. Yeah. So it's good seeing – sort of other content out there where people are having a laugh and they're showing yep. the fuck-ups. Yeah. yeah. Which is what you should show because you go out with any group of mates hunting or target shooting or whatever, it never goes to plan 100% all the time, <laughs> yeah. as you would know. So yeah. I think it's, it's important to also show people that you know, on social media and in, on YouTube and things like that just, yep. just to make it more accessible for people because people just don't want to give it a go. There's, there's too much of a 
uh, I don't know. It's, it seems like it's a too high a level to get to get into. So. Yeah, well, it's more it of a statement than a question. But. Certainly seemed like a boys' <laughs> there's a comment. <laughs> it certainly seemed more of a boys' club like ten years ago, and and that discouraged a lot of people. Or if you didn't know someone, you certainly weren't going to get very far in yeah, at the range or out hunting and things like that. So it's, but it's gotten better with people like yourself supporting it, hobbies and things like that. You know, it's making it easier for people to certainly. Come and try it. I was surprised with Monado actually because they have that. Uh, you can just come along. Yeah. Pay it's a sweet range. Yeah, mm. yeah the first one's free and the second one's twenty five dollars. And they're surprisingly relaxed. They're still safety conscious, but yeah, they're not absolutely. Nazis uh, at, at the range. And that was inviting. It was warming. Uh, it was different to see, especially some other ranges out there. Like they can be a little bit, a uh, little bit harsh, especially mm. if it's. Their first time seeing you. Yeah. You yeah, know. you understand that. There you yeah. go. All right. Rusty, next one. What is your most treasured possession? Uh, I would probably say the rifle I've got at the moment. I'll say that. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the rifle I've got at the moment. Um, I don't expect you to have, but it's uh, it's a rainbow-painted uh, long-range rifle. Seen <laughs> 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 it. It's Seen hideous. It. <laughs> we do stalk people before we good. do podcasts. Hideously gorgeous. No. And the reason that that's the most treasured uh, possession is I'm, I'm not I'm a big one for possessions. I don't keep a lot of stuff. I'm happy to move stuff on pretty quickly. Um, but that was given to me by the PRS community uh, in 2019 which was a bit of a, a rough year for me. And a couple of the guys got together and went, oh, well, we, you know, Rusty doesn't shoot these matches. We should get him something. And that was for 2019. That was a big factor for me in terms of not having the right equipment to be able to have a go. And they were going to buy me a chassis because I had like a barreled action or something like that. And I was trying to put something together. I just didn't have the money for it. And that apparently evolved without my knowledge uh, from a, from a chassis to end up being a chassis with a bit of extra work done to it, to it, to an action, to a, a barrel act, to end up being a full gun. And I had no idea. Looking back now, I can see all the signs that they're asking me questions and stuff like that. And, of course, they'd listen to the podcast and we talk about where we were planning. And and so uh, I had no idea. And, and at the finale, what was really odd, so, so a guy called Lucas won, uh, won the series, and I gave him his uh, his prize and, and he said, oh, you know, you want to say something? He's like, no, 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 but these guys want to. And I'm like, you just won the national series, like well, surely, can, you know, for my benefit. Can you say something <laughs> anyway? And then one of the guys walks up and you know makes a speech and then gives me a gun, and and then I, you know, they gave me a card for it, and there was sixty names in there, and you know a dozen businesses and stuff like that. And it would just yeah, you know, put me in tears as as it would. And so yeah, you know, we just just spent the last three uh, three weeks or. There was, there was about a seven-day period. We actually shot it for the first time in three years. And yeah, nice. It took a while. And uh, and we shot it and then did three videos basically back-to-back on it um, and with that sort of coming together in Darwin to shooting that match. So I'd have to say that that thing has uh, has, has a lot of meaning uh, and a lot of, you know, a lot of um, uh, yeah, attachment to it as to sort of how it came about. So Was that uh, because of all the work you'd, you'd done for the PRS? I have no idea why they did it. Because I've heard rumours. Yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> rumors. Yeah, well, Jacob actually told us. Yeah, I was like, okay. I don't, I don't know. I, I honestly, I, it probably it probably snowballed out of control. But yeah. um, the, there was a, yeah, there's a few guys who sort of and, and people wanted to put in and, and yeah, it was it was a, it was a tough year and uh, yeah, it ended up in that which was way like way too generous. I'm still not entirely sure. I certainly don't feel deserving of it, but I have it. And the, the best thing that I think I can do is use it to uh, you know honor the the people that did that and then also use it to sort of promote the sport to try and get more people involved. Yeah. yeah. So I, I feel very much uh, both amazingly uh, uh, you know looked after by, by being given given it, but also very compelled to sort of use that, that rifle to sort of do what we can, so mm. um, to, to grow the sport. Very nice. It's an MDT chassis, isn't it, the LSA? No, it's KRG. Oh, right. KRG chassis. Yeah. Okay, so. it must be. I've got the wrong one in my head. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, action. It's an impact action. Impact? Yeah, one of the guys actually won, a, uh, won an action voucher on a prize table, and he donated that. Oh, and then the the company that the, it was a different action, uh, um, but the company that supplied that action supplied impact, and they knew that impact. So, a mate of mine uh, is one of the guys behind Impact Action, and so they knew that I wanted an impact because of yeah you know, because of that connection, and so they that company graciously sort of allowed him to use the voucher for a different product, yeah, yeah. Uh, for for that sort of thing. So yeah, it was, uh, and it was just it was it was a whole sort of amazing sort of yeah, and then the the paint job on it's like. Two and a half grand worth. It's, it's rainbow from front to back with tig- tiger stripes on it. Yeah, and if you don't know the if you don't know the the, the cartridge itself is a six GT, which is a cartridge put out by George Gardner of uh, uh, in the US of uh, now from there the company name and people who know it was yelling at me. Um, but anyway, George, one of George's his design uh, designed the cartridge and came out as a six GT, which is uh, George and Tom, the two guys behind it. Uh, but he got renamed by one of the meme pages as the Gay Tiger. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, they went full blown with that. And so yeah. you can then see how I end up with a rainbow, fully rainbow. And and the reason I ended up with that is I, I'd asked the guys at Delta Tactical, like, could they do that? Could they achieve like a rainbow gun with black? And this is just when I was thinking about doing it as a, you know, as a bit of fun. And so really leaning into the, the cartridge. And of course, they then took that and <laughs> did that it. behind my back and away we go. Fair enough. Oh dear. Does this correlate with any of the rumours you were hearing? Oh, this is all the rumours. <laughs> <laughs> and, and some of the ones he found on dark YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, a rumour, a, a friend just told us. But, yeah, that, that pretty much was most of the story that I got, actually. But, no, it's a nice-looking rifle. I have heard that. <laughs> you didn't mean that. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't. No, not at all. <laughs> you can say it's – I'll give you some tips. No. It's a very unique rifle. It's very distinct. It's one – it's an easy – so if you're at a, a match and you've got you know, 80 people to match – you can find your rifle really easy. Yeah. <laughs> these, are the, these are the terminology you should use. Yes, because there's a parted the sea of people. No one's around it. That's, what yeah. Yeah, that's right. It has an aura is what you're saying. So it sounds like the uh, Paris community is pretty tight knit. They are, but they're also amazingly well knit, uh, well welcoming. Yep. Yeah, like they're, they're tight knit and they, they, they look after each other, which is amazing. Yep. But not, not in the exclusive way of they don't – Talk to new people, that sort of thing, which I'm, you know, pretty excited about. Like you, you said, you went up to Monado and sort of felt welcome, and they were, you know, mm. that's a that's a club that's been born out of that community of where, where that community started. So. Yeah, yeah, and I had a good run. I think the first time I was there with our mate as well. Oh yeah, and um, we're just walking along at the end of the sort of what we were going to do, and just walking along, having a look at pistols and all that, and guys like, do you want to use it? Yeah, fucking yeah, just had a bit, have a shot of the nine mil and. 
Yeah. It was good fun. And just, he hasn't met me. I haven't met him. Yeah. And yeah, they're just willing to do that. So yeah, that's true. Actually, or shot and the people are incredibly welcoming. They will let you shoot their rifles as well, which the other day I got to shoot a, a, it was an Accuracy International with a new. Uh, oh, they were in Jack. Yeah, I think so. Yep. Um, and a hot damn. With a red, red, red chassis? Uh, it a red chassis or green chassis? Uh, I think it was green. Yep. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I could I could I could go to a gun shop tomorrow and drop <laughs> thirteen grand on that easy. I'll call Danny. He looked up. Oh dear. Well, uh, we easy. should probably ask at this point then. How did you become involved? How did that all come about? Oh wow. Um. Right. Well. Yeah. In, uh, let's go back a while. So, yep. 2008, I started working at a gun shop part time. Um, this is the life story level. Sorry. Uh, but anyway, I worked at a gun shop and over a number of years I worked there, I worked for, um, some manufacturers as well. And I got to a point where I'm like, you know what I'd, I'd love to do? And you see these guys would come in uh, to the shop and they'd be like, I want to buy a 300 Win Mag. And you're like, okay, cool, man. Like what other guns have you got? Oh, that was my first gun. And you're like, oh, like that's cool. You can buy what you want, but oh, just, yeah, there's some other options while, while you're learning. And you're like, okay, cool. What, what gun do you want? Oh, I took a T3 light. And you're like, oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> just like, there's nothing wrong with that as a gun. Yeah. But if that's your first gun, your first exposure to shooting, it, there's, there's some real potential problems there. Mm. And you guys may be nodding because you, you know, but the, a really, you know, heavy recoiling gun in a really light gun, that is going to punch your heart. Now, that's not to say that people can't handle it, but you go out, you know, you get your first gun and, and you ask these guys further, okay, well, great. What have you got a chance to shoot? Oh, mate's got some rabbits. You're like, okay, okay, that's great. So what you, what's going to happen here, and, and, and sort of time and time again, uh, is that people would go out, they'd get their 300 wind mag and a really light gun, they'd go up to a mate's paddock, or they'd go up to the range, and they'd put, you know, 50 rounds through it, 100 rounds, because they don't have an opportunity to go shoot deer. They don't have an opportunity to go shoot something where that 300 wind mag is warranted. And you guys know, you go out and shoot deer for, for a weekend or a week or something, you're taking a couple of shots. Right, you're not taking fifty, and so the 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 times you have to deal with that recall, that's fine. Yeah, no no big deal. We're all big blokes, and you can handle it. You hold the gun right, you're good. But you sit at a range for an hour and you shoot fifty rounds through. <laughs> you're not loving life, and and you're you're new, and you don't quite know how to get this thing sighted in, and you just you're, you're getting frustrated with it, and and so many of those came back, and guys are like I just I just want to get rid of it. Yeah, and 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 they actually put them off shooting. And I I would sort of look over the counter and be like, "Man, if I could spend four hours with you, I would, um, I would just, I would teach all the mistakes I've done for the last fifteen years." And and you would you would then probably buy a twenty two or a two D three or more importantly, I'd go hey what do you got access to shoot like now and they'd go oh I can go shoot uh, rabbits at my mate's house great grab a twenty two or one seven HMR they go oh, I've got an opportunity to go up and shoot goats in the Flinders oh that's awesome man two four three or three oh eight or something on those lines um, oh I've got an opportunity to go shoot deer uh, you know in high country all right man well let's find a balance here for you. Maybe two to three to practice on, and then a three on a wind mag to actually go and achieve that. Yeah, you know, whatever it might be. But uh, and so I started up some training, 
And so we would take guys out for a day or a weekend or a half a day and teach them some basic marksmanship principles and we would teach them some like rifle selection choices and scope selection choices and, and do that sort of thing. And I had no idea what I'm doing, but I'd, I'd worked enough and I'd shot enough by this point to get a bit of an understanding. But I leveraged a couple of guys, a guy had been shooting all his life and, and spent about three years semi-retired and by semi-retired I mean he quit his job way too early and just sat at the range every day, mm. uh, but got extremely good to the point where he represented Australia uh, for the national, uh, international level. And he came out and was a trainer. I had a guy who'd been to the Olympics uh, who came out as a you know, marksmanship trainer. So I, I, I had some guys who really knew what they're doing and some guys who were lifelong hunters come along and, and teach with me. Mm. And so uh, we we did you know, did some good things and, and you know, got a number – and guys I still communicate with now who, you know, got this start of an understanding of what was going on. And we, we, weren't, we weren't teaching anything amazing. It was just some basic stuff of, you know, um, we would do one thing where we'd put in uh, – you know, we'd set up a gun for them, put a magazine in and then put like a dummy round mixed in the magazine and film them. That and they'd go through and they'd flinch like crazy on a two to three <laughs> because there was they just went click and you'd show that back to them and you're like I reckon this is why you you're missing and they, they were they were aware it was going to happen somewhere and you know li- little things like that so they would then we would then give them exercise to work on the flinch and then repeat the process later on and you would see that that would improve significantly L- little things like that uh, and we were always into long range shooting. But we never felt confident enough to actually teach people that because there's a bit going on with long-range shooting. And then, you know, some of the guys who'd done a, two or three courses with us were like, well, we want to do what you guys do. And like, oh, we're, just, we're not very good at doing what we do. <laughs> uh, and so I, I, you know, sort of partnered up with a couple of mates uh, who, who did know how to do it. And I was very much learning at this stage. But I, you know, we wrote a course and, and tweaked it and changed it and sort of narrowed it down to what we thought was very useful. And... Uh, it was around this time we started podcasting as well and uh, took everyone – sorry, I took a, a mate of mine out who was a farmer who was the usual 100 metres, 150 metres, point shoot, bang, thing drops down because you've done it a million times uh, and he was a pretty good shooter. But you try and put a target at 300 metres and <laughs> you know what, what – you know, he just points and shoots and misses and you – okay. So I took him out to a mate's property and said, all right, if I can teach this guy how to get – on a thousand meters in a reasonable you know, amount of time. All right, maybe we do it. So spent some time with him, showed him what we're doing, shot a little bit at a hundred. And then I think his second shot at a thousand meters is on target. And he was on target, not me putting him on target. Yep. I went, all right, okay. I don't know if I'm going to be good at this, but I can at least do it. So we had two of our guys who were regular uh, clients who would come out and they Came out to our first long-range course and we learnt more than they did. But <laughs> um, they both uh, they both continued to shoot with us at PRS matches and stuff for the next, you know, five years or so. And they they both, you know, sort of got their start in long-range shooting and they, they gave us heaps of feedback and I think we sort of charged them half price of what we think it would be worth or whatever we did. And uh, and they both rocked up with mill scopes. I was running MOA at this stage. I'm like, oh, crap, I need to learn. I need to <laughs> – I, I think I came back from that weekend and sold all my MOA scopes and bought mill. I'm like, I know how to do MOA. Now I need to learn how to do mill. And this would have been sort of 2014, 2015. And we started, we started down that long-range path. And, of course, you can learn, and, and it's not so sexy learning just how to pull a trigger and, and to, you know, go and shoot your 100 metres and shoot better than that, which, you know, we hoped people would 
like, but you start doing the long range element to it, and people are like, oh, we we can't achieve that without learning something, yeah. and so we were, you know, we were flat out doing that sort of stuff, running courses, and and yeah, we end up with like week long courses, guys that come from all around the country to to come to a course and and you know, do this sort of thing. We got to a point where we thought, well, this is all good, but a lot of guys don't have opportunity to hunt to this distance, uh, and yeah, you need a lot of you. I'm a firm believer that you can you can sort of hunt at whatever distance is appropriate, but you need to be extremely good at that at that distance. You need to know it extremely well those sort of distances. So a lot of guys can't hunt at the distances, and we always shoot targets way further than we would ever hunt yeah. because you know you, you've got a lot more margin for error with target shooting. Yeah. And so we thought, well, what would be good is like some sort of every year we do a competition where people can come along that that have done a course with us and go and shoot, and you know do some stuff that's interesting and fun, mimics a hunting scenario. And then they can go and either do another course with us or go and practice more or whatever it is and then come back next year and see if they can do better. And we weren't competitions by any, uh, competition shooters by any stretch. I'd never been a member of a club at this stage. I just thought this would be fun. And then so we planned it. We, we sort of 22 shooters I think we invited that had done courses with us, uh, invited them and maybe a mate of theirs to come along. And we had this all organised in about two weeks Two weeks prior to it, someone sent me a video link to what's this thing called PRS in the US, and I've watched this video, and I'm like, that is exactly what we were going to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> pretty much to, to the letter, like, you know, different stages, different ideas, but that is pretty much the path we we're going down. It was all born out of uh, out of sort of um, hunting. You know, we, we just thought, oh, these are things that we would, you know, you, you would engage a, a target at, uh, you know, 200, 400, 800, and, and these are sort of engagements you might have, but you only have limited time on each one, for example. Or you, you know, you have to shoot at 200 and then 400 and 200 and 400 and 200 and 400. These are things that you might in- encounter in the real world. They're good skills to build. And so we saw this PRS thing went, oh, wow, that's that's really similar. So we started watching all their videos and went, that's not a bad idea. We'll, we'll give that a go. And so when we ran our competition, it went, we went well. And then uh, we, we did it a year later. But in between time, we end up over in the US and meeting with the guys over there to discuss actually running the, the PRS series over here. And so during that time, there's a bunch of us who sort of shot on a private property and sort of um, developed our skills and got to know stuff and got to try stuff that was ludicrous now. You're like, I mean, not not unsafe, but just like impractical, mm, just yeah. kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, that, that sounds like a great idea. We had one stage which was pretty notorious where you had a, a – it was a, a like a target uh, that you would put on a star picket. And you would, uh, we had star pick at 100, 200, 300, 400, and 500 meters. And I think you had about four and a half minutes. And you would, uh, you know, make your gun safe. And then you would leg it down range with the target, about nine kilo target. And you would go to whichever target distance you chose to. But you then had to get back from that target distance and then get behind your gun. And for every, every 100 meters, you put your target further out. So at one, you had one shot. And at four, 400 metres, you had four shots or, or whatever the details were. But that the idea was that the further you ran, it took more time, you'd be more stuffed, but you had more opportunity to score. Okay. Amazing idea. was fun on the day. We'd never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> four and a half minutes. Hmm. Well, like a running K, in round trip, running in sand <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. Uh, it was. Um, 
Interesting. Anyway, so uh, so we, we were doing all of this sort of stuff, and then and then uh, some laws changed in SA around commercial ranges, and this got deemed as commercial uh, enterprise, and so we couldn't continue doing that. Uh, and then uh, we the PRS was starting to kick off here, and then we got invited to start the Monado Club. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the Monado Club was born out of uh, and, you know, put a few of those guys together at the end of 2017 uh, and then sort of PRS sort of kicked off and sort of took over that whole sort of, you know, training and that sort of year. And there was enough guys at that point um, running training courses around the country. I thought, well, these guys have better qualifications than I do for running training. So they, they can do that. And, you know, we, we had uh, other projects which we were working on. And so we let them run the training and we sort of delved into the competition world from there. Uh, I think that answers the question, how we got started in PRS stuff. What do you mean, yes. just quickly, boy, uh, it was deemed commercial? There was there was money exchanging. Uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's contentious as to, you know, whether or not that's the way. But that's that's what, what so we got deemed as. If you didn't take money yep. and there was 50 people shooting there, it's fine. Yeah, correct. That's that's yeah, so there's a com- commercial transaction and realistically to, to run a competition like that, there's got to be some sort of commercial yeah. transaction. I mean, you could start getting really technical and snarky and stuff like that and go, well, you bring all the snags and you bring all this and you bring <laughs> yeah. all that. And, and, it sounds like a hunting trip. Mate. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's exactly right. And then it would just start blurring the lines and oh, I want you know, I wanted to go down and start running PRS and do all that sort of stuff down the legit. And so we went, you know what, we, we won't start pushing too hard. We're going to go and do it now how we – how we're meant to do it, and and yeah, so far that's gone. That's gone well. Mm. Just a question: mm. What talking about ranges? Did you ever hear about the Ton Kilo range? Yeah. What, yeah, what happened with that? The uh, um, there, there was uh, various uh, various um, challenges with uh, the property, uh, and so the, the the property, and I don't know. I, don't know the details. I'm not close enough to it to know with property owner or there was a there was a challenge there with um, wind farms and stuff like that. There's there's guys around who know exactly the reasons. why. I won't pretend to, to know, but I know there was challenges with the property, mm-hmm. and therefore they they weren't. And, and so there was a double SWA initiative, and they have since bought property elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And so they dropped that as a project and are now building a, a much bigger range mm-hmm. uh, elsewhere. So looking forward to that opening. Do we have a, do you have an estimate of when that that'll be? I have no idea. No yeah. Idea. yeah. Do you know where it'll be? Near Murray Bridge. Okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It'd be nicer if it was closer. In South Australia. <laughs> oh, shit, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would be, but you can't get that size property to be able yeah. to shoot, you yeah. know, like 1,000 metre plus on close mm. close to Adelaide. It just It's either an untenable price-wise, you know, for the – you try and buy a massive property in the Adelaide Hills that's big enough to cater for the fallout zone for a 1,000 uh, metre range. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't achieve it yeah. easily. Yeah. yeah. Is there um anything up and coming and new in the PRS that's sort of you're looking forward to or anything that's happening? First match in Tassie in yep. two weeks. Not two weeks, three weeks, whatever it is. Uh end of end of September. Uh, and so that's the first time we've gone to Tassie. First overseas match, we could say. Um, uh, no, first first match in Tassie. Uh, we had the first match in Sydney this year uh, as well, which was good. And then, yeah, it's sort of the tail end of the season at the moment. So, yeah, yeah we will. Uh, I'm off to Sydney next week to start talking about next year. So we'll see. We'll see what adventures hold for that. Uh, just finished. Uh, not PRS directly related, but the international precision. Rifle Federation, if I've got that correctly, ran the first uh, international 
um, international match that wasn't connected to like one of the brands because it's brands that run like PRS's brand, uh, and so this is more of the the association sort of level uh, around yep. their first match in France uh, earlier this year. And we had a few guys over uh, there, and that that went really well. So awesome. the uh, the I believe the trophy was delivered by Tank. Uh, <laughs> and then a couple of guys in a ghillie yeah. suit, so that was kind of kind of unique. Very so, nice. But I didn't get awesome. over for it, unfortunately. We moved into this place, uh, the new new place we're in, and uh, that killed all the time and all the finances to be able to actually go over for a trip to France. So, yeah, next time maybe. Yep. Is it easy to shoot in France? I mean, it's high elevation, so a little bit more challenging, but it's uh, you know. I mean, like law, laws wise, <laughs> it is actually one of one of the countries in Europe that's that's probably easier. Oh, okay. So it wasn't uh, wasn't bad. It was on a military base as well, and and the guys had no problems getting guns in and out of you know, paperwork and all that sort of gear. But it's not a challenge to do so. They were suggested though to fly into France and fly out of France. Don't fly into like Germany and then try and cross <laughs> the border. As soon as you start yeah. crossing European borders, <laughs> things start getting challenging. Rusty, you, you just touched on the building we're in now, and a lot of people might not know that you've actually moved into a relatively new facility here. What what made you change? Did you just grow outgrow the the old area. What, what's what's the deal there? We we did so yeah. So talking about scoped out projector warehouse, the two main things that we we actually do from a day to day point yep. to, to live, and uh, we we've we've moved three times in the last uh, in the last two years, just over two years. We moved from my house to a storage units, and went from storage units because we outgrew that, and we also didn't like walking two hundred meters to the toilet. <laughs> Uh, and we also had no public front. We had no sort of interaction with customers at that point. It was an online store, yep. really. And then we, we moved to a little warehouse, which we thought was massive, 170 square metres. There was three of us at the time. And it was, it was, you know, it was good fun. And we moved into this place and thought, oh, this place is going to be huge. But I had this little – I remember walking in there on the first day and went, I've got a concern. We, we, might, we might outgrow this place quicker than three-year contract that we've signed. Oh, we'll see where it works. Probably not. Probably not. So a year later, we were, we moved again, um, <laughs> and it was a matter of uh, one. Uh, yeah, we 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 probably hadn't quite outgrown it, but we were on the path to, and an opportunity came up here. Now this place that we're in is now eight hundred square meters, which is much bigger than we need. In all honesty, it's bigger than we than we need. But uh, if we go on the, you know, we're obviously not going to match the growth rate we've had the last couple of years. That's not the intention, but. Uh, we also, I was sick of moving. So having moved three times in two years, we could have gone to somewhere that's probably a sensible option to go to four or 500 square metres. Yep. And then, you know, another few years, if things go well and build, we then move out again. Uh, but that did not seem attractive to me. And we <laughs> we spent so much time, like the last place, you know, you move into your own, you know, it's sort of like moving into your own home. You move into your, your building and you're like, oh, we're going to make this place ours. And like really, you know, we so had all this stuff on the wall and we had all these sound panels like screwed into the roof. We had like one room, there was about 18 sound panels in the roof. And we had we had done all this work to the place. And Josh and I, Josh is uh, uh, the, the main media guy here, he's in the other room. He, uh, you know, he and I were there hours and hours and hours just getting everything right and painting things and doing all this sort of gear. And pretty much we finished and then we moved. We got it to the point where we yeah. wanted to and, like, it was just a gut punch. Like, in a good way. I was not, not unhappy about it. But you get in here and you're like, all right, no one screw anything into the wall because all the like, – no one did anything, all right? They're not touching a thing. And so we we moved in here in the, in the hope that uh, we would – 
be here for a long time yeah. and we didn't have to move and we've got, you know, you guys went for a look around today. There's a lot of empty space at the moment, which is intentional. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to not just uh, fill every area that we can. Uh, we're trying to sort of be conservative with space. So when we do grow or when we do start some other stupid idea, uh, which is more likely, uh, <laughs> and we actually have room for that to go to. And yeah. so, yeah, we, we will see how that goes, but we are, we, we learned from our last place. So <laughs> the, we got sound panels above us. They all clipped in with these special clips we bought <laughs> to go into a, to, um, a suspended roofs. So we could, uh, we could take all these sound panels out in about 10 minutes and there would be no sign of them again. So we learned. <laughs> yeah. learned. Oh, that, that's smart. It sounds like you future proofed yourself, which is. Yeah. Like smart move for sure. We'll, with we'll, the, we'll see how we go there. <laughs> we, we, we might be broke in a week. <laughs> with, with the move into here, you were saying that it was kind of a big move for you, the size you were. How daunting was that? Massive. Yeah. 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 I mean, we literally, the, the price of this place is six times the price of the other place. Yeah, but we, you know, we moved out of there. We had seven, six of us. We moved out of there. We've got 10 of ten of us here now. And we've been here six weeks. Yep. Um, it's, yeah, the, 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 Potential where we're going, and then it's not just projector on scope down. There's another company that runs out of here, and PRS gets run out of here as well. So there's some other stuff going on, and we've got lots of ideas and plans. But it was massively daunting. We I bought a forklift. I never thought I'd buy a forklift <laughs> in my life. But we, you know, week one we bought a forklift, and so it's been quite a, an interesting experience to to come into such a huge place. But you know, then when you guys sort of messaged me, I'm like, oh, well, give us a bit of time. You guys can come come here because you know. I'm, I'm happy to come to you and hang out and wherever you wherever you record, but we know we're going to have some good facilities here, and and yeah, maybe I don't know the episode might sound better or worse. <laughs> Who knows? But we also know that we we want. I guess one of my things, and we we wanted that, and we we put on on a video in the, the last place is that you know the community has been amazing to us to allow our business to grow to the point where we were able to move into that warehouse we used to be in. We had an upstairs area which was our studio that we had planned to, uh, and. We plan to run information nights because you know, we want to be sort of a hub of where people can get info and learn and, and do that sort of thing. And so that was our goal there. And then we got we, – we did actually – we started advertising the first info night before even signing the contract with the place, which may <laughs> not be the smartest <laughs> idea, but we – we did. We had Steve Hurt from Outer Edge Projectiles coming over to Adelaide. He lined up to be about the, the week we thought we were going to get in. Uh, we booked him for a Q&A night out at Ignition Custom out north of Adelaide and then we, we sort of booked him to come down south somewhere and we we're going to go to a pub, and I mean, which was not a bad idea either, but we we're going to go to a pub. And then he got to the point where we were like, we were about to sign everything for this place, uh, for the, the other place we were in, and we are like – you know what? We'll just we'll just put the address on there, and we'll put a sign up and go down the pub down the road if if things go sideways. Um, and so, but anyway, always ambitious, and so we did. And so we ran our first info night, and we didn't run another one. We just start chewing up the the room in the place. And so, one of the goals here and is that we've got more room. So the room we're in now. The intention is to run, you know, in like in a month's time, maybe we'll, we'll run a long range info night. And so if you go, oh, kind of interested in getting, getting, you know, work out how to use a ballistics app or this or that, come along. We'll, we'll go through all of that, what we can do in the room and show you a bit about the guns and how to set them up or something. And then, you know, maybe three weeks after that, we'll run a thermal night and we'll show off all these thermals and you can play with them, get hands on with them and learn about how thermals actually work and wh where they're good and where they're terrible and all that sort of gear. Yeah. And then maybe three weeks after that, we'll run some information on trimming and different processes of trimming brass and all that sort of gear. So the idea is to be able to put that knowledge back into the community through the facilities that have been kind enough to, uh, to bestow upon us. 
Uh, and so, and then, yeah, we, we also are very fortunate that we've got the ability to live stream or, you know, to do sort of the, the media side of things. So this room here will be set up in that if we do an info night here, the guys are in Adelaide can come along and get hands on with stuff. But then, so there might be 10, 15 people in the room and then we can live stream it. And the 50 people that are elsewhere can watch it as well and get the, the information as well. So That's smart. We, we want to, we want to be able to use this place to actually build people's knowledge. I still like that still passion that, that started the training, the, the training school, I guess. And, and those sort of things is still there for me to be able to impart that knowledge across. Mm. And while I certainly don't have all the knowledge and I don't shoot as much as I used to, and I, w- I wish I did, but I know a lot of guys who do, do have that knowledge and shoot a lot more regularly. Probably all you guys in the room, but um, we've got got that. And so maybe it's a night with you, you lads, and you guys coming to share some stories and some info and some hunting techniques and bits and pieces. People come and get to know you. Goes out on our stream, so perhaps more, and then vice versa. Yeah, we we cross audiences and we 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 can de- deliver more value to people um, without them having to pay anything for it. They just roll up. That's yeah. great. That's what we want to use this place for. <laughs> Outstanding. That's the sort of. Field of dreams, build it, and they will come. Sort of mentality, <laughs> really. Exactly. That, that's cool, man. That's that's really awesome. And yeah. we are definitely, uh, you know, big supporters of you know growing that community and just being able to share the knowledge because it's it's a shame when people don't want to impart that onto someone else and grow the yeah. community. Yeah. It really is a shame. So I'm I'm stoked that that's what you're all about, man. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's uh, cool. always been the goal. Yeah, beautiful, cool, absolutely. Bloody yeah. perfect room for it too. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's this. The big buck hunter in the corner as well. Yeah. So, yeah just keep, keep us all going. Got track. Game of that later. <laughs> no, I, I do like your little Nerf, Nerf course you got out in the warehouse. Warehouse. Sorry. Warehouse. <laughs> warehouse. <laughs> yeah. That's, okay. um, that's interesting. What made you use the uh, drum snares as targets? Symbols. They're called Josh. Sorry. Drum snares. It's about as musical as Josh gets. Well, Josh will get a bit more musical later when we put a Nerf gun in his hand. He shoots a symbol, <laughs> and he shoots a symbol, and he hears why we uh, why we chose because a symbol uh, makes a good noise. You get a confirmation of hit, uh, and a Nerf dart doesn't have a lot of power, but when you hit a symbol with it, it gives enough of a ring. You you feel you know if if you've ever been long range shooting, even just shooting on steel, you shoot and you hear that ding or that. Th- yeah, and then when you're hunting, you hear that thud, depending on the, the game and, and the distance and stuff. And it's a really, like, rewarding sound to, like, go bang, thud, or bang, ding, and you're like, yeah. Mm. Same <laughs> here now. You can yeah. go click with the Nerf gun, click, ding, or, or crash, or whatever whatever noise the symbol <laughs> makes. Uh, and so it, we, we that was the idea behind it. Plus, we're not very good shooters with Nerf guns. They're pretty inaccurate, so we went big symbols. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need a better scope on it, uh, on your Nerf gun, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that might help. Probably, probably would help. Yeah, that's right. What's what scope do you recommend that's on your Nerf gun? Build out, build out of your yeah. experience. I'm a Night Force man. <laughs> so you got Night Force on your uh, on your Nerf gun. Yeah, I don't have. I'm going to call you on this. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would if I could, but <laughs> probably. Yeah, Josh I'd, usually sells his rifles before he actually gets the scope on it. Okay, yeah. okay, <laughs> works his way through it. Builds a rifle and it's like, ah, oh, I want something else. Yeah. Off it goes. <laughs> you, guys, you, no, do, you do have that Swarovski I've on a shelf. I've done that one. I do, actually. I have a nice little Z5 on the shelf and I've never, okay. never used it. That's a perfect Nerf gun. <laughs> <laughs> I, I bought it and immediately regretted it. 
and we're now born in X eight. What's wrong with an X eight? Yeah. Josh yeah. is referencing the fact that one of the one of the Nerf guns here has yeah. a Vortex razor on it. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is the, the joke. Thank you for bringing some context. <laughs> yeah. 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 Should have led with that. Yeah. That's all right. It's been a long day. We'll, we'll have to get a photo of it after. Yeah. Sounds sure. good. All right, Rusty. Good we're gonna we'll do a one eighty with you here. This next right, question. What's your favourite movie? I wouldn't have a clue. Uh, is that a movie, is it? It's not enough time. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> movies. I, so I, uh, I I came out of high school, all keen on making videos, right, all keen. I went to film school. Oh, wow. For three months and they ruined movies for me and, uh, yeah, basically barely watch movies. Wow. So How uh, did they ruin it for you? You start analysing everything. You watch yeah. a film and everything gets analysed, every element of the film, from the story to the lighting to the editing to this, and you're just like, yeah. It's just I, I, went, I used to watch you know, movies all the time to nothing, nothing at all. And so now, like, for me to go to the cinema might happen every five, ten years. Yeah. Five it's, years maybe. It's kind of the same shit. as, like, being a shooter and then seeing – you know, movies with guns in it, and you're like, yeah, it's not how it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Having said that, uh, there are a couple. I guess Inglorious Bastards is a great is a great movie, and so Agreed. I'm not completely put off movies. There, there's some good ones out there, but it's, it takes a lot for me to. Watch. I've never watched a Marvel movie. You know, people really you're not missing that, out, man. Okay. I, I, fall, <laughs> I fall asleep in every single one. Yeah, right. I, maybe I should try that. <laughs> <laughs> that. That could actually help. Yeah, if you want a predictable storyline, uh, yeah. yeah, you'll just fall asleep. Yeah, okay. for sure. Yeah. So I, I like some obscure movies. Um, Twelve Monkeys was a good one from back in the day. Oh, yeah, yeah some oddball stuff. Yeah, so right. okay. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, yeah. Movies is not is not a big big point. Most people are like, oh, have you seen it? Just assume the answer is no. And just, tell me, <laughs> just give me some context and tell me how good it was, and I'll smile and nod and go, cool man. You probably don't have any time for it either. I mean, you're building an empire here. <laughs> empire <laughs> Records know. is a great movie. Speaking <laughs> of which, yeah, yeah, Empire Records. It is. Uh, no. Yeah, look, I mean, you, you, like we, we do work hard, but, uh, yeah, you do have to have downtime and just finding what that downtime is. And we, we alluded to it before with Formula One, for example. I'd, you know, I'd, I'd watch Formula One and I don't just watch the race. I'm a little bit of a tragic. I watch the first practice session, the second practice oh, session, wow. the third practice <laughs> session, and the qualifying and the, the race. The legit, that is about all I do. Outside, so it's the one thing really. Lean. And and number of the guys here are into it as well. So we all you know message each other and discuss it and do all that sort of thing as well. And you get to work on Monday and you're like, how boring was last night? Yeah, like you, you talk about it as well. So there's an element of, of that. Um, yeah, having friends who are into it as well. And there's a few of us in the PRS community who chat about it on a pretty regular basis and send memes around and stuff like that. So it's nice to have that that little outlet away from work because for a lot of people, we we talked about it before. The shooting side of things is the hobby. And so that is your for, for everyone else that we deal with. That's their outside of things. And they send memes around and they chat about their hunt on Monday. For us, the or for me particularly, that the shooting is so much a part of like every. Yeah, I'm away at least once a month with some sort of competition or something along those lines. But it's and I enjoy it. It's great. Love it. But it's work. And you know the big days and long hours and that sort of thing. And yeah, you know, sometimes it's nice to just have that. It's important. I think she to have that break, and for some people that's Marvel movies for some reason, and for some <laughs> for other people it's other movies. Uh, for some people it's what whatever it might be, and for many people that we deal with it's shooting, which is mm-hmm. awesome. But you have to enable that to to to, to work, yeah. and so you know that's that's where we're. So yeah, we we in, in, have enjoyed F one as a, as a nice release. So but yeah, I'll happily take on Tragic as a title because I do watch way too much. Of it. <laughs> Not very good. Well, what about your your basketball cards? Is, it, is that another little? Uh, that's that was more of a nostalgia kick. 
mm-hmm. cards were. I haven't done that for quite a while. I've got a pack sitting downstairs. But and also we we made some good money out of that. To be fair, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the uh, the collecting. I mean, sports cards for so twenty uh, twenty. 20 when COVID kicked in, you guys may remember Netflix The Last Dance came out. Definitely watched the, it. The, yeah, we were all, we probably, many of us remember the, the Bulls and the, the golden era of, of Michael Jordan and that sort of thing. And that came out and that boosted this massive, uh, and that was rumoured, well, not rumoured, that was, that was scheduled to come out for quite a long time. And, and the, the hype around uh, sports cars built a lot. And so, you know, sort of got interested in it. I grew up, I remember a year. Year five, I would have been about what, 10, 10 in year five, and Shaq's rookie card. I remember getting Shaq's rookie card, right, back then. And so uh, that was a 92, 93 card, 94 card, or maybe 95, but whatever it was. Yeah. It was around that year, and I, I remember getting one of them. It was pretty trashed. It wasn't in good condition, but I remember getting one. And and so I was really into basketball cards when, yeah, when you that young. And so – when that last balls, uh, the last balls, last dance things coming around, you sort of, you know, you get in. So I bought a bunch of packs and opened a bunch, made some TikToks and videos and stuff around it. But also I was buying them from the US and then selling them. And, you know, you might buy a, a full pack of them at the right at the beginning of it and you're buying them for like 80 bucks or 90 bucks. Yeah. And then you just put them up on auctions on eBay, you know, six months later, nine months later, and they're going for like $250, Jesus. $300. You're like, <laughs> This is great, but I didn't. Yeah, it was, it was fun, and I, I I bought enough to pay for the ones that I opened. Yeah, if that yeah. makes sense. Like it was not a, yeah, it was, we we may, maybe made a few hundred dollars out of it on top of that, but yeah, and then you had this real kick of nostalgia, which was great fun. Made for some fun fun videos, and then yeah, where we. We, we've moved on. Everyone's moved on from it. So, so it. But I've still got some downstairs and, you know, all the 45 Jordans I've got stashed away in covers. One day they'll be, you know, amazing. So. Yeah, nice. Okay, there yeah. you go. 45 Jordans. <laughs> yeah, hold on to them for another 30 years. <laughs> yeah, wait till, wait till he passes, uh, yeah. passes on. And, uh, then take a trip to Vegas. All to my the Queen collector cards have all been really good. So, yeah, really, uh, <laughs> no, the, yeah, I'll keep the Jordan ones. Yeah. Nice. Very good. All right, next question. <laughs> Recommend someone to be on this podcast. I think you should have Luke from the Bearded Chap on this podcast. Oh, yeah? Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bearded Chap was uh, as – we have this same accountant, which is a really boring way to meet, but our accountant's pretty rad. I actually – we – when – no, the tangents. I told you to be tangents. When COVID kicked off, we had to cancel the PRS season, right? And so to do what, what we could to continue that community community discussing and talking and stuff like that, for eight weeks straight we ran a one-hour show every night, live show. You know, all of us are just sitting at home doing whatever we're doing. I was flat out because I was rewriting – putting new websites up and doing sort of th- things like that. Every night for an hour a night we would run a show. We'd interview someone or be a couple of us with you know, bantering along or whatever it was. And it was designed to sort of, you know, like you know, build the community, put some information out there. It's the same sort of thing. And my accountant came on that night and he told everyone to buy ammo because he thought it was a brilliant investment. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. Which, Not which, wrong at all. To be fair, he's like, well, yeah, you could spend all your money on food, you can spend all your money on shelter, you can spend all your money. but with ammo, you can you can use that to barter, or if it goes real pear shape, you can get all those things. That's <laughs> 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 logic. This, this is this, you're, you're a good accountant. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so he so when you've got an accountant like that, you can connect with some very interesting people, and he said, oh, you should speak to this guy, Luke. He's you know one of our guys. He makes beard oil. Very good. Right. So you think of all the things that people should spend their money on during COVID. You're not going out, you're not leaving the house. Beard oil is probably not one of them. Mm. Right? Fair enough. It's probably a business that would 
just not do very well. With the exception that Luke is in control of that business, and Luke over over the Easter weekend, rather than eating heaps of chocolate, well, he might have eaten heaps of chocolate, decided that he would rather than focusing on beard oil for the next little period of time, he would reimagine his bottling business around hand sanitizer. Yep. And in four days, came up with recipes, worked on it, did all the sort of with his chemist, and started producing that. Won the contracts for like Queensland government, oh. and and start and and started employing people mm-hmm. and started putting people on. This is in the first like weeks of COVID, you know, where everyone was losing their job or everyone was about to lose their job and he was putting people on yeah. and he, uh, yeah, amazing story. And, and he, uh, yeah, so we got him on the podcast. I didn't know anything more apart from the fact there was a good, successful Australian business story. I thought that's, do you know what, for the, for the audience, that, that's a good real win. Yep. Yeah. He messaged me the day of the the episode. He's like, "Come hey in, like, yeah, we're on, on tonight. Uh, looking forward to it. Uh, should we just chat to make sure, you know, see what what we want to go through?" I'm like, "Yeah, cool." So gave him a call. I said, "Luke, oh, sweet. Oh, well, you, you probably don't know much about us, but we, yeah, we come under the Impact Dynamics brand. We do this and this and this." He's like, "Oh, that's even better. I'm a shooter as well." <laughs> <laughs> and we're like, "Oh, well, this is this is fantastic." He's like, "I I spent you know, my college years in the US, and I've done this, and I do this, and I own this gun, and I'm thinking about buying this and this." And I'm like, "Oh, that's all pretty rad. That's all, <laughs> all right, sweet." So I was happy to have him on the show anyway because he had an interesting story and a, and a positive story. Uh, and uh, yeah, he uh, he came on and we had a you know, brilliant chat about it and then we used to do on the particular night he was on which i think was a wednesday uh we would have an after show hangout so anyone who wanted to could come into the zoom call at the end of the show and just chat and just talk rubbish and that sort of thing and he stayed he's like i'm staying around for this this you guys are great (laughs) (laughs) and we have we have since then had a a good friendship uh and and business i guess we're both business owners and we're learning you know i learned a lot from him and and now you know i've I've kicked him up the ass from a social media point so he to 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 rag on luke a little bit uh he was he had a videographer on board when they changed their business around. So they captured all that, that whole sort of business decision and the yelling and the, you know, all the exciting thing. He's a passionate dude yeah. and he can rant really well, which is why I'm <laughs> suggesting him for your podcast. <laughs> nice. Like really, really well. And uh, so I'm like, oh, videographer, that sounds good. Like we, I was doing a lot of video production for, you know, for our marketing, our marketing, my marketing back then. And it was just, just me. And I'm like, I could get someone to pack orders. Or I could get someone to do the video work because I'm doing that for eight hours a day anyway. Mm. So if I do that, I can pack the orders and then I can see, oh, this, you know, someone's bought a set of dies but no shell holder or someone's bought this and this and those two things don't. Whereas if I hire someone to pack orders and they've got it, you know, they don't know a lot about shooting, they're not going to have that knowledge. So I thought I'll stay on that sort of packing order side of things for now and get someone else to make the video. So Josh, who you met tonight, came on board a day a week and, you know, we, we now have three videographers here basically to sum it up. I went up to um to the US uh, to the US. Wow, we jumped, we jumped all the way there. <laughs> I went up to Queensland to go hang out with Luke uh, for 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 an afternoon, and I went in there and and he's like, "I'm really angry with you." I'm like, "Oh, okay. What, what have I done now?" He's like, "I was the one that inspired you to hire a videographer, and now we make no content." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, you're right. You don't do anything." <laughs> and and he, he's like, so so what do we need to change? And so we, we went down the path of, uh, you know, okay, well, uh, have you got your phone with you? 
Yes, I do. He's like, I'm, I'm really just stuck for ideas. I'm like, awesome, man, grab your phone. Let's go downstairs. We went downstairs. We like filmed like three little shots, put them together, put some music over and like, there's your TikTok. And, and that was his biggest TikTok he'd had for two years or something along yeah. those lines. It was ridiculous. It was stupid, but that's TikTok. Yeah. Uh, and, <laughs> and we started talking about ideas and stuff. And since that, since that time up there, he, those guys, I actually, um, his videographer, Ryan, uh, was a real young guy, real nervous, real sort of wouldn't get on camera, was was pretty shy. And I, I called him over. I said, Ryan, come over here. And I said, so anytime you need to, you walk up to Luke and you just film him. Like you're like, here's a question. I've got a question for you. I said, choose your moments, you know, but outside of that, you just walk up to him anytime and – and you you have my permission somehow to just go and <laughs> just go and start asking him questions. And I said to Ryan, Ryan, if Luke gives you a hard time, you ring me, I'll ring Luke and I'll give him a hard time to stop giving you a hard time. <laughs> I, I'll have your back. <laughs> and I had no permission to do this from Luke. And Luke sat there and went, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, do that. <laughs> Do that, and and to be honest, ever since that they have done extremely, extremely well, uh, and they uh, they were on a chat the other night. So we, so outside of what we do here and the gun related sort of stuff, we run a company called Captivating Attention, which is around social media, around marketing, around uh, producing content and that sort of thing. So we we talk about having video, three videographers. That's when we they were all working for the shooting company for for the the, the company that owns the the projector warehouse scoped out stuff. But we've now sort of taken that out, and we do that sort of consulting. And so we had a, a, a sort of Every second Friday we have a social hangout for business owners and people, you know, working towards like YouTube channels and stuff like that. Uh, and you guys should come and join us one time. hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. So, awesome. so it's real like low key hangout. You have to have a drink of some sort and it's yeah. just for about half an hour, 45 minutes on a Friday. And uh, Luke, Luke was there and, and, and ranted, killer rant, uh, killer <laughs> rant. And uh, anyway, so you need to, to summarize all of those stories, yep. you should grab him on the podcast because he will one, he will have a brilliant rant. Two, he, he will tell you about his time in the US and shooting guns and and he's a he's just a rad dude. Sweet. Yeah. Sounds like and a passionate, plan. really passionate. That's what we like. Oh, I wanna know how you've just added another thing that onto your portfolio that you do. I'm like, how the fuck? Yeah, you're not like going on. We don't have time to watch movies, mate. We don't have time to watch movies. <laughs> yeah, I'm giving up TV. I'm fucking I'm burning the thing tomorrow. <laughs> Jesus. There's, there's lots to do. There's lots to do. Yeah, it sounds it. Far right, yeah. All right, Rusty. All right, here we go. Is this last question time? Last question. Right. Is this surely is a sound effect for like a drum roll Ready? or something like that? Oh, if you want one, <laughs> there it is. You can have one, yeah, which is not working. There you go. <laughs> um, Dude, Josh well, could have used that effect to like punctuate a few of his jokes tonight. <laughs> some of the, some of the ones we missed. Away. His arms are too short. <laughs> okay. uh, what was your first rifle? That's that's my the, first rifle was a shotgun. Is that is that does that count? Can we sure first okay, firearm? First yeah. firearm. Okay, yeah. I bought three guns in one day. My first guns, and uh, so I'd like to claim that the first one I actually bought was a Breda Silver Pigeon S, uh, which was uh, I had gone out for a. We, we used to do uh, New Year's Eves up at um, up at Wake, uh, Wakery. So Riverland, so about two, two and a half hours northeast of Adelaide, up on the river, and we would literally be sort of camping meters from the river. And one of the guys we go up there with, we'd be there for four or five nights. And one of the nights was, you know, don't drink this afternoon and, and that evening because we're going to go clay shooting, 
right? So we go into the paddock and, and I remember getting a gun, like the guy gave me a gun and we, had, we were under spotlight, so under, under a big floodlight because the guy's property it was was an electrician. So massive big light and he had white clays and they would glow. It was awesome. And the gun I had was a silver pigeon, yes. And so I'm like, all right, well, I need to get one of these. This is incredible. So I, I ended up working at the gun shop and so I sort of built up, put up enough money to buy that uh, on my, my it was my first gun, and uh, I think I had you know birthday money and Christmas money and all those sort of <laughs> things you do when you're a bit younger, and uh, and then I bought that. But also on the same day, I put the paperwork in on an air rifle, Gamo air rifle 177, which I still have, I still have the shotgun as well, yep. and a Marlin 3030 yeah. 336. That's where is that? With the uh, the it was the laminated one in stainless with like the greeny type color timber. It was uh, my wife called it the ghost gun, <laughs> <laughs> the traditional one. So got, got they were my first three guns, and I think uh, the the one with the lowest registration number was actually the thirty thirty, which I was a bit disappointed by because I wanted the Beretta to be the <laughs> the, the original. But uh, but I don't have the thirty thirty anymore. I just didn't I didn't use it. And I generally, if I'm not using a gun, I generally move it on. Yep. I'm not as I sort of said before. I'm not big on on yeah uh, possessions or a sentimental value to stuff. So I sort of you know, move guns on pretty quickly and, and just keep the ones I'm using as, as much as I can. And so, or I have a real purpose for it. I might not have used it for a year or, or so because I haven't had the opportunity, but if someone rings up and is like, hey, we're going pig shooting in a month, you coming? I'm like, well, I've got the gun for it. Like I've got to, you know, get set up and that'll achieve a few things. So, yeah. uh, and so that was my my first one. I, I had the 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 benefit of having my dad had guns. And so for a number of years I had a license, but I didn't buy guns because I could just borrow his. Yeah. And so he had a 22, a Baikal, Baikal 22, a, a CBC, a Brazilian shotgun, yep. uh, side by side. That's what I learned with no recall pad. And, uh, <laughs> that's what you get used to. And then uh, some stupid 22 Horner that was bollocks. Um, that was, yeah, we had someone make reloads for and one in three worked. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, oh dear. Yeah, good, good fun. Good well, fun. That, that kind of touches back on, on something you said earlier about people – you know, buying their first gun and getting a three hundred wind mag or something. Yeah. Whereas you've you've just talked about all these guns you used before you you got your own. Yeah. And that's definitely something we we recommend is having that having mates. Yeah. You can borrow because I didn't buy my first rifle for for years. Yes. Uh, and I'd used all Josh's and all these old man's. I think we yeah. all did. So you know, <laughs> I even used Josh's back then. <laughs> so you know, you can try all these things mm. and then sort of develop your own sort of taste about what you want to buy. Absolutely. Ultimately, so. Yeah, nice one. Yeah, no, it's good. So, did you go hunting with your old man, or I did. Yep. Yeah, I did. We the the probably the from from a hunting perspective, the the thing that got me back into guns. So, I, I shot when I was five or six. And I remember always we never lived on a farm or anything like that, but we would from time to time go out to friends' houses, and we'd all, always keen. And dad dad always enjoyed shooting, so any opportunity we got to go out to a farm, we would take a, take us out, and we'd go and shoot rabbits or whatever it might be. So it started very young, but very inconsistent. We'd shoot once a year, maybe twice a year. Yeah, the opportunity would, and I loved it. Uh, it was great, but and then just you know you get busy with life and girls and other music. Music was a big one for me. I was never good at music, but I went to lots of shows. And then I went to the UK when I was 21. And I was travelling with my parents because they paid for it. So that seems like a really sensible thing to do. It is, it is. <laughs> They're like, we'll pay for you to go over. I'm like, oh, I guess I better 
better stay with you guys. But <laughs> I had planned, so we, we stayed, uh, we, we travelled around a little bit and saw family, that's where the family are from, and we stayed uh, in a place called, or in, in Norfolk. I don't know if you know where Norfolk is, but if you look at the UK, it's sort of like this straight bit with this bit that juts out to the right. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's the top there, so the northern beach is there. And we were right pretty much on the coast looking over the, the North Sea. Yeah. And I remember, yeah, we, we went there. I was meant to be there for like two nights and then I was going down to London. Yeah, because that's what you do when you're 21, you go to London. And I we were in, in this uh, farming house and we were having dinner and then the farmer's like, oh, oh, grab the guns. And they were, of course, just against the wall. So he grabbed them out, opened the window up from the kitchen over the sink, put the gun out, shot two rabbits. And he's like, we'll pick them up later. We went back to dinner. Well, and I'm like, that's pretty good. That's kind of cool. Yeah. And then uh, so I hadn't shot a shotgun in my life at this stage. And so I uh, we – we then would go go out and we went for a little walk around this property. He had this block. Uh, I'm sure it's been long enough. We had this block next door to his house block and this is called Set Aside. Set Aside was, uh, I think you were paid by the government not to farm on one particular uh, sort of paddock, let's call it. Oh, yeah, yeah. One particular paddock uh, that yeah, – and, and you would move that paddock around so every, you know, everywhere would sort of uh, – you know, the, the, the nutrients would, would uh, develop, I guess, or whatever. Not, not, don't know a lot about farming. Uh, so the, the idea was that every you know, every year you would shift what paddock was your set aside paddock, so you would sort of rotate your uh, your paddocks around. Well, he didn't, um, and he had this one dedicated that was just full of rabbits and just hadn't been you know there was ruins all through it and it just hadn't been looked after. And so we went there and I shot shotguns and yeah, you know, did the you know, shoot the rabbit and start spinning in the air and flipping it through. And I, I loved it. We'd just sit out there for hours waiting for birds to come over. Or, whatever it was. And so we, we, I, I canned the trip to London and just stayed there for a week and <laughs> thoroughly enjoyed it and shot every day. And, and, you know, we'd take, take air rifles out and just go out to some paddock and just sit there and wait for, for birds and yeah, really enjoyed it. And so I came back from that when I was 21 and that's really where, it, you know, it's been active in, in the shooting world ever since that. And so uh, I came back and, Found a property we could go to and started just going out there with you know got my license and and took dad's guns out there and it was uh, it was it was sort of ever, ever since then got into it from there. What was the question? I don't remember. <laughs> oh, I just asked you if you went hunting with your old man, but that was <laughs> there we go. Yes, I did. <laughs> that was the perfect answer, and was going to sort of answer the rest of what my question was going anyway. About how you got into hunting anyway? So, do do you yeah. hunt much these days? I don't. Like with the business and things. No. Um, it, we we hunted a lot. So for for a number of years, I worked for Night Force, and when uh, when I was there, uh, it was very much a nine to five job, and I was not used to that. I'd always sort of you know worked a lot more than that, and so uh, when I was there, a mate of mine was a scope tech there as well, and so we we pretty much Friday afternoon we'd leave from work and we were gone, and I worked out we did twenty twenty eight hunting trips one year. Yeah, yeah, that's where you want to be. Basically, yeah. every two weeks. No, no kids, uh, and so yeah. I was married. But I would just, uh, you know, just go off with with uh, Dutchie and, and go and shoot. And you know, we'd we come back. We you know take a week and do this. And just it was it was all the time. So I got a lot of lot of time in, which was good. We we tally sort of what we'd caught, and we uh, we we'd shot caught. Didn't catch anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I caught. I guess we caught it. Yeah, didn't go anywhere. Um, we would we would uh, into the hundreds and hundreds of the foxes in a year, and and we were, you know we were all sorts of sort of game, and uh, it was it was fantastic. And we started you know getting calls to go and shoot these these 
um, uh, wild sheep that are in some property that were meant to be there, and we, you know, we we get into that level. We're just doing it so much, and then you know uh, we would do regular sort of hunting trips when the business grew, and then the competition side of things sort of started upping a lot, and the travel started upping, and then kids come along, and and so your ability to to go away became more challenging. Yep. To be able to drive an hour to go up to a uh, to, to to a range and have like everything sort of there and just be able to grab the gun out shoot and then then bail out to go and do something else, it, it's probably more of a convenience element. Yep. And so the hunt, I, I, if I thought really hard, I'm sure I could work out what my last hunting trip was, but it's, it's been a no. I do I do remember it. It was spotlighting. Yeah. Uh, so if that counts as hunting, does that still yeah. count as hunting? Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. It does. No, yeah. Cool. yeah. Okay. So I'll just be clear on it. It's spotlighting. Right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. some people argue that's hunting or not, but that's the last time I shot game, yep. and. I remember it that uh, we were we'd been pretty deep into the PRS side of things at this point, and uh, I had a, a guy that was a, a co-trainer with me back when we were running long range courses, and the dude was a machine, and he was so quick. He would, yeah, he spent like four nights a week spotlighting, right, because he worked for a sheep farmer. And so he had prop- access to property, unbelievable access to property. And so literally he'd go to work and then on the way home from work he would go spotlighting or, or tuning <laughs> into spotlighting yeah. uh, for, yeah, for hours on the way home. And literally that was just his drive home. And so uh, he was un- unbelievably quick yeah. with getting a gun into position. And so I remember I went out one night. This is a property owner of the place we used to train. And he had his mate who was a farmer in the front seat and I was on the back with a comp gun. I was, I was just the only gun I had at the time, so yeah, all right, we'll have a crack. And we went out, and I think we, uh, I saw a fox. I'm like, yeah, I'm used to racing this guy called Dan, so I'm like, oh, hey, fox, bang, yep, got it. I'm like, I did three three times like that, and I'm like, oh crap, the other bloke hasn't even got a gun out of the window yet. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and it was not, I was not trying to show off or anything. Just this was this was natural. I was used to racing against guys who were super quick and super accurate, so my my skills are pretty refined at that stage. And we were training people, so we we're, we're doing this stuff all the time. And so I, I said to him, I said, oh, I'm really sorry, man. I'm so used to do. I'll try and give you a little bit more time, and then I'll, I'll only shoot if the, the thing's about to dart off. Okay, no worries. So I shot another four in a row <laughs> before because I'm sitting there like on it, on its you know, head. I'm like, just you, and then you see that little glint in its eyes. It's about yeah. to, like, what's going on? Yeah. I'm like, I better bang, drop this thing, and and uh, I uh, said, oh, really? I think his name was Joe. I said, Joe, I'm so, I'm so, like, this, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I just, uh, I'm seeing it's going, and and anyway, uh, I said, all right. You're going to get the next shot off. No matter what, I'll let it go. I'll let just, I won't touch it. <laughs> just put the gun down. <laughs> but I said, if you miss, I've, I've got you covered, right? I've got you covered. So you can imagine what happened next. I'm on the I'm on the thing between the eyes staring at it. And, I'm, yeah, I'm losing like a Carlos 620. Amazing glass. And you see everything. Poor bloke's got like a Nico Sterling 2 to 9 or something like that. Just, yeah. And so he's grabbed the gun out. He's on there. And he's pulled the trigger, and I don't know where it went, but it wasn't near the fox. <laughs> and so the second I've seen it not hit, I've pulled the trigger and the thing's dropped down. And so uh, I'm just going to stop feeling bad. I'm just going to be like, I've practiced it and worked really hard to be able to shoot this quickly on this sort of stuff. I'm just going to embrace it. So I just, I just got really arrogant and just shot the rest of them. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I continuously apologize to the guy. I'm like, dude, I'm, it's not you. It's just the guys that I normally shoot with. They're just so ridiculous and stupid quick to the, you know, I would struggle to keep up with. 
and uh, and that so that was probably the last time I actually gone out and shot uh, any sort of live game, uh, which would have been a few years ago now. Yeah, wow, it's just been yeah, yeah just yeah, flat out. <laughs> what's the what's the one to remember on a hunt? Like mm. your favorite hunt you've had? Favorite hunt? Uh, the there was on the same property that we got lost on. There was always a good. There was always a good time up there. Oh no, I've got the the most fun story, and then so we we. We went on this property and we that, – that same property and we were by a dam and we just uh, – we were playing with a lot of sort of uh, convincing foxes and, and just, just toying with, with the game to try and convince them to come in. And so I remember we sort of set out a little uh, – we, we'd shot a goat or something and we'd, we'd grab the guts out and we'd put them out in a particular area and then sort of went back to the dam and we're just hanging by the dam and sort of waiting for some pigs to roll up or anything on those lines. And I remember just, just – putting the gun on a tree, looking through and just seeing this fox sort of walk along a road behind where we'd put this sort of uh, the guts of this uh, this goat and I went, I reckon this one's going to get a, get a whiff of that. The wind was right and I'm like, yeah, watching it along and it's just like popped its head open over and, and went, oh, yeah, there's something's gone on. It's sort of made its sort of beeline around. It's sort of, you know, gone into sort of one scrub and then gone to another bush and then come around and came in on this thing and like looked at it and as soon as it looked at it, bang, dropped this thing. <laughs> and it's just, it was, it was, uh, it doesn't sound that exciting a story, but for me, this was sort of the first time I'd really been able to have that major interaction with a fox to be able to sort of watch her back and forth. And like, I set that up and you've, yeah, you've, you've sort of played into my hands really well. And, and yeah, we've, we've, in some ways you could say that's, that's, uh, yeah, back to spotlighting because we're just smacking foxes, but a lot more sort of hunting, like setting something up yeah. for it to come mm. into and, and, and playing back and forth with that. That was mm. good. And then that same, that same trip, we'd been out all night, uh, not the night we got lost the night before. And we came back, the, we didn't see much. And we came back to the, the house and as we came up to the house there's two guys in the back uh, and they were asleep they just passed out in there and and i'm in the front seat and we've come out come back to the house and this house has got a big long veranda so shearer's quarters you guys be familiar with sort of you got sort of various rooms along it and this fox has jumped out of the room there's the kitchen ran down the porch (laughs) and as as of run down i've grabbed the 308 jumped out of the front seat and stood up and I've just, I oh know, I've just yelled, "You bastard!" And the guys in the back have woken up to me screaming, "You bastard!" <laughs> top of my lungs at four in the morning, and this fox has stopped, and it was in between. So if you imagine, we're looking at the house, and then it's run down the veranda, and there's a veranda post to the left, mm-hmm. and the the building to the right, and it's just in this gap, uh, right in the middle. This fox has stopped and looked at me. I've got bad oh. idea. Bang! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> of this fox in the three hundred eight at about. 12 metres away. <laughs> but the, the most fun we ever had and was uh, we, we were working uh, with, with, a, with a new guy that was at work. It's always new guy stories. And we invited him to a hunting trip. He said, oh, come up to the Flinders, come up with us, come hunting. And he's like, oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah. And uh, so we said, all right, great, made all the plans and where we went. We got up there at like – Two in the morning, and we're like, "There's a big drive into where we need to stay." So, like, two hour drive in. So, get the guns out. Let's let's get ready. And what we didn't tell him is that we had bought kazoos, mm. 
And we decided that, you know, we had this long tradition that we just made up that we would always take <laughs> kazoos on hunting trips. And every time you got you got something, you would bust the kazoo out and start playing a tune. <laughs> and so we thought, oh, it's your first hunting trip, man, with us. Like, you get the first shot. So he's got a two, four, three. He's leveled up on a on a goat and he's lined up on this thing and he's, uh, he's just – Bang, smacked it, you know, clean. It was it was a great shot, excellent. We're like, oh, let's go check it out. Pulled up, wandered over there. And he's got, you know, we checked it out. Yeah, it's all dead. It's all, you know, looking good. Um, cutting stuff off of it. And then we're like, cool, excellent. Well, it's time. And he's like, what's up? And we both simultaneously pulled kazoos out of our mm. pockets and just started playing whatever it was that we were kazooing. <laughs> and then we looked, both looked at him, just deadpan, just like, like this look of like shock, absolute shock, looked at him and he's looking so confused. And Dutchie looks over and goes, where's your kazoo? And the guy's just, he starts apologising. He's like, oh, I, I, didn't, I didn't know I was meant to bring one. Is, and he's like, how can you go hunting without a kazoo? And the guy's nearly in tears about the fact that he forgot his kazoo and you can't go hunting. Anyway, it was, uh, it, was, it was a fun time. It was a fun time. Yeah, got stitched up well. So we then continued for the rest of the weekend to pull the kazoo out every time we went hunting. And, uh, <laughs> That's commitment. We, we've done that to a few new people we've taken out a few times, but it's more around, oh, the tradition is your first kill, you've got to eat the heart. Oh, yeah. We, yeah All yeah. that sort of, you know. We've done the, the kangaroo balls to the Americans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nut, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, no one's no one's taken it up yet, though. <laughs> I haven't got anyone to actually put anything in the mouth. Well, this guy bought a kazoo, so. <laughs> 100% hit rate so far. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, I like it. Where I do like you even it. buy kazoos? eBay. Yeah. Yeah. I know you're the musical one of the group. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. I yeah, understand man. why you asked the question. Just call me ZZ Top. Because <laughs> ZZ Top. Yeah. Ah, well, is there, a, is there a dream hunt and location anywhere in the world for you, Rusty? Mm. I, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I think that, um, I mean, New Zealand's like an amazing place, but I, I know that I would have to do a lot of work to get to the fitness level to be able to achieve that. Yeah. Mm. Uh, do you know what, at the, at the moment where I'm up to, um, I would what I'd love to go and do is actually, f- uh, yeah, we do a lot of media production here, and it's been like with media, like I love making videos and that sort of gear, but I haven't picked up a camera for a couple of years now, realistically, and I haven't opened up Premiere to edit anything more than a couple of little tweaks for the for the lads to get some sort of narrative advice. Uh, I would actually love to go with with a group who are hunting and take the cameras and do that. I find that as a fascinating challenge. And so I think that that would be – because for me, I know I said I don't particularly watch movies, but storytelling is a big thing. And so being able to sort of capture that, I I would actually take a lot more pleasure at the moment where I'm up to in life of doing that Uh, and being part of the hunt but in part of the – I guess there's an element of me that wants to sort of showcase that to people and get more people involved in that sort of thing and be able to showcase uh, what – yeah, what goes on, that that is very interesting to me and to be able to sort of craft a, a story around what we do and what we achieve and what we what we fail at and you know, all those sort of things that, that would be as part of a larger group that hunt uh, would, hmm. be, would be fascinating to me. So, yeah. yeah, still need to be fit though. Camera gear is pretty heavy. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, haven't retrieved that one yet. <laughs> what are you doing next weekend then? <laughs> uh, not, not fit enough is what I'm doing. <laughs> Eating pizza. <laughs> Yeah. No, I like yeah, that answer cool. though because it's not it's not always about being the one to pull the trigger. Well, I, this is answer. I've been hunting enough times to know that it's not. I don't. I've, I've done that. I've shot. I pulled the trigger enough times that 
it's not about that for me. It, it, going out and doing those sort of things, and then the story, the kazoo story, has got very little to do with hunting. Yeah. But it, you know, we every time we bring it up with the guys, we and there's many, and you guys would have hundreds. You would probably fill podcasts with them. Is mm. all those stories of your hunting trips, and those stories are what, and you can do that with a gun in hand, you can do that with a camera in hand, and I have filmed some hunts we've done, and I've enjoyed both as much. In fact, there's less pressure with yeah. with the camera because you can't miss. <laughs> you can just creatively edit afterwards, um, but. It, it is it is much more about that experience and and what you you know the the, the amazing places you see and places you go, mm. and and I like it more than like a, a just a straight bushwalk because you know you, bushwalks good but your only achievement is to go there and walk back which mm. to be fair that's a fairly big achievement for me at the moment mm. <laughs> a fair effort but uh, whereas hunting obviously you've got this additional goal that you may or may not achieve and you don't know how you're going to go and there's 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 inherently stories within that that are, that are fascinating, interesting to tell. Mm. Yeah. Very good. Seems to put you in a little bit of, what's the word? Jesus. <laughs> Forget <laughs> long day, right? I wouldn't want to be put in Jesus. <laughs> not, quite not in, <laughs> no, uh, adversity sort of uh, when you're out hunting as well. Like bushwalking in the rain, so oh, I'm going to turn around and get in the car and go back or go home or something like <laughs> you, that. You can bushwalk pretty hardcore, man. Yeah, you can. Because <laughs> like, you've yeah. got, like you just said, you've got no... There's, there's not this additional yeah. additional goal like yeah. you, you go and you you you're walking through wherever you're going. It's it's good. It's healthy. It's great. Uh, there's nothing wrong with it at all. We we have customers who buy binos to do that, which is which is awesome. But this hunting adds this additional sort mm. of you, you know guys um, blokes generally and not exclusively blokes, but blokes generally they don't just hang out for the sake of hanging out. You're usually doing something together. Yeah, you know, mm. if that makes sense. Like you're getting together to you know work on someone's car, which I have no clue about, but apparently that's a thing that happens. Um, or you get together to go fishing, and it's not about the fishing. Yeah, you, know, you some guys really into the fishing, but mostly it's there about drowning worms and drinking beers. Yeah, and so <laughs> that is guys sort of um, connect over an adventure of some sort. Mm. And as I said, not exclusively guys, and and I've been hunting with girls as well, and it's been excellent. And and I know you guys have got um, Gadisha on the podcast. Is that right? Oh yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, yeah, she, yeah, I went hunting with her, and there's, yeah, beautiful. You know, it, was, it was fantastic experience. I didn't, I didn't even hold a gun. And it was a it was a fantastic experience, and so uh, there is the, I don't know where it's going, but you know, people connect around an activity, yeah. and the activity is the excuse to to connect. Yeah. But having that uh, yeah the hunting element to it creates this sort of uh, there's an element of drama of, of things can go really well for it, things can go not so well for it, and and sort of yeah it's a it's a fascinating story. Yeah. So it's kind of why we started a podcast. This is oh, an yeah. excuse to get together and drink and be idiots and. I think the first yeah. eight months was the therapy session. <laughs> 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 whilst, we were getting a, whilst we were getting a format down. Back. Yeah, it was pretty There's bad. some very well, early recordings that will yes, never that be released. Never. Never Our podcast gone for six years. We're still in therapy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, oh, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. You know what is good? And having a, a common activity, especially amongst guys, is good for exactly that, is just right. being able to talk out your problems in a relaxed environment. And especially these days where, you know, we're getting better as guys and being able to open up and talk to each other, but, you know, more so than 30 years ago. But it's important to have that connection around an activity. Yeah. And then work out your shit as well. <laughs> it's almost Try like to. you don't want to be like, hey, you want to catch up, talk feelings. No, that's, that's, <laughs> it never happens like that's that. A- 
<laughs> it's a word that comes into mind with that. But is this, like the, is this a prank call segment where we do that? <laughs> 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 That's a good idea. Let's bring someone. <laughs> <laughs> Far out. I know um, what the next episode is going to be all about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you guys got any more burning questions for, uh, for Rusty? I do until you said that. Did we touch on how you actually started with Scoped Out? Uh, no, we didn't. Yes. Yeah, so how, how did you start with that and what sort of got you into that sort of business style of things? Uh, I bought it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's more there's more to the yep. story. Um, so I started Projectile Warehouse back many, many years ago. Uh, we were doing the, the training side of things yep. and I, you know, I was reloading and I got frustrated with having all these extra projectiles around. You'd buy a pack yeah. of 100, normal sort of sales pitch. you buy a pack of 100 and then you use 10 or 20. You're like, yeah, it's not, it's not a lot of life in this thing. And so you put that back in the cupboard and you buy another pack and you work through. And I thought, well, maybe if we – Chop them down to twenty packs originally, twenty packs, and you could try that out and see what they they go like, and and then you know buy five of them. There's your hundred, and and try them out, and then you're like, oh, this one shows some promise, or these two are looking all right. Mm. You go, okay, great. Well, let's let's buy a hundred of each of those and, and try them rather than messing with five or six that we we've sort of ruled out mm. a few of them. We we narrow that down. And I remember I was working in a gun shop at the time, and so I brought it up with the owner because I'm like, hey, look, I don't want to be like competition or anything, but I I just you know this is an idea. The owner said, ah, oh, well. I don't think that's going to work very well, so go for it. And, uh, yeah, okay, Thanks. cool, cheers. Uh, and then uh, two years later I think I left because uh, it, was going, it was going all right. Mm. Um, but so Projectile Warehouse was, was ticking along and uh, we were just doing sample packs because I didn't want to compete with the place I was working at. I was very mindful of that. And we started doing it, you know, we started getting access to a few other projectiles uh, that we could, that weren't competition with where I was working, so we were being able to sell them in full packets and, and reloading gear and, Mate, one suburb over from me was – I sort of ended up meeting and getting to know him through coming and shooting competitions and stuff, and he started scoped out. About the same time I started Projectile Warehouse, and uh, it was going well for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good dude. And then the basically the same week that I got the call that, that we we're going to have to stop doing the training stuff, he called me and said, man, this, this thing's going a little bit – like it's going good. But it's at the point where I either need to tone it back because it's now interfering with my life. Because yeah. he had a real job okay. and was earning really good, like good money at his real job. And he's like, I did this so that I could pay for some shooting gear, but it's actually going better than that. And now I either have to wind it back or move it on. Yeah. So we uh, we came to sort of some agreement and we bought <coughs> scoped out and sort of rebranded and put it in the mix to Projecto Warehouse. The, the back ends of the websites that we were running at the time were all the same. So yeah. that's, he thought it made logical sense. I was doing nothing but, you know, trying to make some sort of uh, eating cardboard and trying to make something in the gun industry work. <laughs> and uh, and then, yeah, we, uh, yeah, scoped out, sort of kicked in from there. So ran the ran the two and, and really, the you know, we did gun, gun shows for a long time. So I, I see my van out the, out the front, yep. would pack up the van uh, and would – Go off for you know three weeks at a time, say goodbye to the, the wife and kids, and be like, all right, I'm off to uh, to go and sit up. And you rock up to this you know little hole somewhere and like unload uh, projectiles. And so I I'm, I got a good mate who runs STS targets as well, so I take some of his targets. And so I've chosen the two best things in the firearms industry to deal with is heavy lead projectiles and heavy steel targets. <laughs> and so I would travel the country in my Quite van, true. probably way overloaded, and would uh, decide in my 
uh, you know, with my stellar collie back muscles, I would unload the van, set up a stall, and then pack all everything away again and do that, you know, back to back. And I think uh, the 20, 2019, I did it sort of through a little bit 2017, 2018, uh, a lot. And then 2019, I was I spent 23 weeks on the road. Uh, and then COVID hit. And so, but what it did is was allow us to meet a lot of people. Yeah, you know, a lot of face to face. You know, we had this sort of online business, but but I was a real person and and really cared and was a shooter and cared about people who shot. And so you know, I got to meet a lot of people. And we built a good customer base from doing that on the road. And then COVID kicked in. We couldn't. We were forced. In fact, one of you guys said um, about the 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 Wild Deer Expo was the last gun show that I did because it was the last gun show that ran. Yeah. At that point, and we came back, and then like a week later, we were all locked down. Yeah. And so we were pretty much. Staring down the barrel, of, I assumed when we were locked down, I'm like, well, if I was, uh, if I had, you know, if I was smart about this, I would spend my money on food, healthcare, and an accommodation, and I would save everything else, every other dollar I had, I would put aside because who knows what's going to happen. Not in a full prep way, otherwise I would have already been prepared, but uh, <laughs> in, in a way that I was just like, oh, right, let's be sensible with something. So we, you know, we canned. Uh, I think we we ke- probably kept Netflix, but canned everything else that we sort of could could you know. Because yeah. we figure we're at home for a bit. I don't even remember if I watched any of it. Oh, I watched Save the Last Dance. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the Last Dance. Um, uh, and uh, we uh, we basically cut everything back. And so I, I said to my wife, I think three weeks, we're going to be done. I'm, so I'm like looking at my camera gear going, all right, how good am I making videos? Because maybe this is my, my, my backup option. Like I'm sure we'll be watching lots of videos during this time. Maybe we can make videos. So I, I did. I started making videos and I thought, well, if we're going to be out of business in three weeks, which, is, which was my prediction, uh, let's lean into it and just try everything. And it was amazing. It gave me like a, a an ability to just not care how this went and freedom to try anything and just just give it a go. And we, yeah, like it literally exploded in those three weeks. We were doing that live show every night. We were doing as much video as we can. I was rewriting both websites. And we were spending my days just packing orders and like every dollar we were were selling stuff of, we were buying more stock. And the wife's like, shouldn't we maybe put some money aside for, you know, whatever could happen or like – buy this and buy that. I'm like, well, we can't buy any toilet paper anyway. <laughs> and, you know, like we could do that, but at the moment, if I can buy some, you know, if I can buy another pack of projectiles, that's like another couple of bucks we could, we could sort of buy a little bit more. And I said, well, while we, while people are, are needing this stuff, let's, let's keep trying. Let's keep doing that. Let's, you know, and people couldn't get to their local gun shop for, for various reasons. And, and so people were buying online and people, you know, people were buying lots of things. And so what, what it was good for us was that we were well established in the online order fulfillment side of things. We were, we were pretty good at it. And, uh, yeah, much more than sort of a, a, a you know, I can sympathize like a business that's set up to have people walk through the doors and then like that option is now eliminated and you got to like, all right, well, as of tomorrow, I can only sell online. Uh, what was the password to the website again? Like you, 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 <laughs> you're at that point where you're trying to you're trying to sort of pivot your business very quickly. And you know, a lot of guys who are running gun shops have been doing it for 20, 30, 40 years or however long they've been doing it. It's not easy for them to do that overnight. And we were, we were there. We were ready to go. And so we had a lot of people jump on board as customers for the first time who'd never heard of us, but like projectiles online or whatever it was trying to find it. Not so much scopes, a lot of projectiles at this time because people were trying to, you know, build ammo and that sort of thing. Oh, they're like, well, I'm going to be at home for like six weeks. 
I can load ammo, can't shoot, yeah. so I won't buy the scope, but I can't, you know, do that. And so uh, we, we built a lot of customer base that maybe people, once they could go back to their gun shop, well, they'd go back to their gun shop and that was their the local, but we might be their second choice. Mm. And yeah. they had a good experience with us, hopefully. And, and so they would, you know, okay, the gun shop doesn't have what I want. Oh, these guys do. Oh, great. They were good to deal with last time. I'll go grab it. Yeah. And so we were very fortunate. And at that time we, we built enough of a customer base that has sort of built us to where we are at this stage. Yeah, nice. uh, and so and then and then scoped out sort of as people went back shooting, scoped out, picked up more and the the thermal side of things started kicking in, which uh, became a big thing because uh, I guess people were trying to be out shooting perhaps when maybe they weren't meant to be <laughs> and trying to stay a little like key, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm making some assumptions here, yeah. but the thermal side of things uh, certainly kicked on. Uh, and it's become yeah, you guys would would know it's no anyone close to the industry is is aware that thermals and night vision have become such a big thing and the price point is come down so yeah. much that it has become much more attainable for most people. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah. uh it's interesting with the projectile warehouse because the first time I did see the packs of just twenty instead of the hundred, I thought that was a reaper and idea. It's pretty much a try before you buy because the price is pretty much not much compared to what you could spend. Yeah, it is, it is more expensive to buy it in the ten pack or which we do now. Yeah, and not because I, th- I don't think ten packs the ideal amount. I think thirty is the ideal amount. But if you put in 10 packs, people can buy 10, 20, 30, whatever they think is appropriate yeah. for them. But it's more expensive to do that. But you also, if you if you went through a trial period of, of a whole stack of projectiles, yeah, exactly. at the end of the day, it would be cheaper, mm. which is mm. the, the idea. You'd spend less money yeah. and would have tried seven projectiles to find the one, two that really work for you, main one in your backup or whatever. Yeah. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's that, that was the idea. Mm. Oh, that's that's an inspiring story, man. And and we've had we've had plenty of people on this podcast who've who've started a business or have have had an idea about something or they've seen a better way of doing things. And that's I guess how a lot of businesses are born out of seeing the way something operates and going, I think it could be done this way and that's probably going to be a better result for people. And it sounds like you have a lot of genuine care for for people in the shooting community and you want to see them get the best result yeah. for themselves, which is which is admirable, man. So I do. Uh, downstairs in my office uh, opposite wall was care written up on the wall because yeah. And I'm sure we don't we don't get it right all the time. No, no one. I guess no one does. But we try. Is that if we look at you know write an email because we we did so much with email because we're online. Like if I was going to get this email, would that make you feel good or bad? You're like, okay, that doesn't feel make me feel good if I get this email. All right, can I reword this? Can I change something? Can I add some value to it? And we, you know, I'm sure we don't get it all the time, but I, I, hopefully we get it. A lot more than we don't, and so I really, I really do think about that. And we had, you know, we had a new guy start today, and I said, uh, uh, "We, I am a bit particular about how we write stuff, like how we communicate stuff, because we found things that, you know, ways to speak to people that that work well, rather than just like, oh, that's out of stock. We'll let you know when it gets here. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You know, some stuff is out of stock, and it, it happens in the moment. So how you communicate that, how you tell people you're going to sort of keep them posted on and stuff like that, it's important. Mm-hmm. It matters. Hundred percent. So, we're just keeping them posted. There's a lot of places out there that'll be like, "Yeah, we'll let you know when it comes in," and then you get nothing. Yeah. You're like, "Yeah, you can't understand if they, you know, it's a big company and there's a lot of people that they've got to get through." But at the same time, if you're not going to do it, don't say it. Just be like, "It's out of stock." You know, we apologise for yeah. the inconvenience. You know, try again in in a couple of months. There's uh, also, but don't promise to mm. get back to you and not get back to you. That's, yes, that's, that's terrible. There's also yes, a lot of places just don't get back to you. That's as what well. you just said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying they've got no, no, like it's in 
like when you they don't even say <laughs> oh, the rent's out of stock or nothing like this. this sort of oh like, yeah, no they don't sort reply of at all. Communication there at all? Yeah, but, it's it's sorry. frustrating. There's and you know we've been on the other end of that and as I said, you know we 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 don't always get it perfect. But uh, the the guy started today said you know he gave me some feedback saying you know like this is this is you know he's worked in retail before and this is very different because of a lot of a lot of back end systems and my memory is terrible so I make sure everything's written down and so we do a lot of things that sort of counteract with my memory but it turns out it's not just my memory a lot of people are not great at remembering everything that goes on we, we're perfect when we're like 20 we remember everything but then you get older and you drink more beer and you then you move on to spirits and then you start forgetting everything that happens in in you know in the day and uh yeah generally you might you may forget to get back to people with you know no intention of it, it might happen but we we try and do little sort of system things that you guys answer a phone call it's for me they 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 send me a message and then when I get the message, I tick the message to say I've got back to them. And if I don't tick it, they, they have permission to come up to me within, you know, the next day. They're like, have you rung this guy back? Mm. Ah, no, okay. no, all right, I, I, I will. And, yeah, that's, that's yeah, I expect them to hold me accountable to it. And yeah, that's the, that's the goal. That's yep. the goal. So we are forever trying to get better. So is it getting more complex as the bigger you get? Oh, uh, yeah. Would be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back, yeah, when we – yeah, well, you run it by yourself and everything. Yeah, you can you can keep tabs on it. And uh, now there's ten of us here, and it's uh, it's a different it's a different beast. But uh, it is. I, I actually really that's one. I guess that's one of my real uh, passions is actually that that business challenge, and and I enjoy that sort of setup. And that's I get a lot of fulfilment out of you know seeing that work, and and yeah, sometimes not working, so fixing it and trying to improve things. And we you know we we've, we've had a lot of stuff improve, and there's a lot of areas to. Continue to prove, but we keep working on it. Mm. Yeah, not not satisfied where we are. We're, we're happy with where we are. Um, there's a there's a Michael Jordan quote. If we're going to throw quotes in, <laughs> uh, I think it's it's attributed to Michael Jordan uh, that that. But who knows if it is? Everything is great, and everything can be better. Yeah. And it's a reflection on hey, look, you, you know, you've done good work. You've done good work, and, and actually sometimes be proud of the work you've done and, and what you've done and what you've achieved. Sometimes take a moment and be like, yeah, actually, we're doing really good stuff. Excellent, and also it could also be better. We 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 we're not stopping now. We're going to keep doing what we can. I mean, we've got plans for you know, particularly scoped out website that we've got plans that that yeah. You know, I don't I don't know how to we we haven't done them yet because I don't know how to do them on the website. I've certainly hit my coding level of knowledge by a long way, uh, and so we need to get people in to do that. Uh, and but we've got ideas of how to make. You know, your experience if you go to the website so much smoother and easier. Of like, hey, I've got this and I want to make I want to achieve this. But these sort of parameters in and then it goes hey recommend this and this and this these sort of things and and you know that takes a lot of work and effort but that's the next step but you know it's not it's not bad now we're doing all right so yeah yeah nice. kind of get better awesome very nice i do have one you more found question. the burning question <laughs> I right. we'll, we'll, leave, we'll make this the last question <laughs> this, for is, us, this is just for me the burning so. one <laughs> This is just for me. Is this an off-air question? Is this- <laughs> well, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> Did you need photo evidence or something? Is this- you want more photos of the, the, the gay target, don't you? This is, this is where it's going. That right. uh, just reminded me of a joke, actually. <laughs> but I can't here, remember, here we the can't remember it. Yeah, I can't remember the wording. <laughs> <laughs> Someone about a ruler. Jesus. That's all right. Oh, yeah, what are you, what are you measuring? He's forgotten Never the question now. Yeah, yeah. It, it was fitting for the time, but I can't remember it. It's one of those things getting old. So the joy is you can just edit it in later. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave this out. I'm tempted to just leave stuff in now so people can get an insight into you and your brain. I don't, I don't really mourn that much. Mate. It's too much going on up there. <laughs> 
But my question is. Oh, here we go. So I was looking for a bipod for, I just got a 223 Ackley. Yeah. Um, it was supposed to be a hunting rifle slash hybrid, but yeah. now it's, it's 12 more leaning. Kilos. Yeah, it's more <laughs> leaning to the, yeah, it's just for the range. Yeah. I'm looking for the bipod. I have an Atlas at the moment. Yeah. But I find that there's not a lot of give in the Atlas legs. Yep. Um, in terms of movement, yeah. So when you're loading it up, like how you how it has that little bit of rock. Yeah. I've been looking at the MDT, whatever the new one is, the, the ground, sky ground pod or the sky pod, sky pod, sky pod. Okay. Yeah, but it is stupid money. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Do you have a recommendation? You stay with the Atlas. Really? Yeah. Good. That that. I mean, most. It's the first time I've ever heard someone say that that lack of like movement is desirable. Most people right. are fighting those skypods to make them more like, like a, more like an atlas. Because uh, I think it might be a bit of over-researching or over-complicating it in my head Definitely. because there's this guy <laughs> in South Africa, he does a lot of YouTube stuff, Pete? possibly. Pete um, Alain? Uh, back shooting? Uh, that sounds about yeah. right. I've got a video that you want to see later of him getting smacked with a wooden paddle in Vegas. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I want to see that video. I thought you had <laughs> But he shout, was, shout out to Pete. <laughs> I haven't made it public, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> but it will be. <laughs> He's probably got one of me. <laughs> anyway. But he was sitting there talking about, and this in theory kind of makes sense in my head, that if you have too much, look, if you have a stiff leg and it rolls back, it's obviously got that hinge point and going to lift your point of mu- muzzle up a little bit, where if there's give, it just allows the rifle to, to recall straight rearward. So, oh, and I'd, so I'd, obviously that might just be me diving into it way too much and not enough time with different bipods. I don't know. Okay. Um, but, yeah. Interesting. Or stay with the Atlas. I'll stay so, with the Atlas. I, I'd, I'd suggest stay with the Atlas. Um, to, to speak from experience that I've had, um, so bipods are, are one of the – so many of your audience listening will probably have picked up a uh, – not. Some of your audience listening, I don't want to like you know, degrade your audience. Some of your audience may have had experience previously with like a cheap $50, $70 uh, Harris knockoff bipod. Yeah. All right. It's, is, that, is that a kosher way the of saying? eBay special. Yeah, eBay special, <laughs> right. Uh, and so you, you end up with one of those, right? And we would have guys come out in the training course and they'd be shooting uh, with that sort of thing. And you see the group would be sort of all over the shop. You'd almost you'd almost recognise the pattern of the group. Like, yeah, you watch them shoot. Like, yeah, you're doing everything pretty well. You look at the group. You're like, yeah, you don't. You deserve a better group than that. You're like, can I swap your your bipod out for a second? And they're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, sure, sure. So you take that out. And you put a genuine Harris on there. And the biggest thing between those two is how much movement they have. Mm-hmm. Right, Harris have a bit of movement, but nowhere near what a what a cheapy brand has. They're all sloppy. And instantly you would halve the group size or not, if not more. Huh. From nothing, no other change, just the bipod. Mm-hmm. And it's because every time they're, they're leaning into their incon- they're inconsistent with their, with how they're doing it. Uh, or um, I hadn't thought about the, the shifting of it, but I, I would actually think that a, a bipod that, that moves, because it's moving forward, it's changing the pitch of your, your gun. Uh, and so you actually may get a little bit more jump from that, I would have thought. But anyway, um, the... the yeah, and we change that over and they instantly see a benefit. So a bipod that has more ability to lock up, uh, I, I 
have seen accuracy increase significantly yeah. uh, from yep. that. And so there, there's guys who make chim kips for those uh, skypods mm-hmm. to tidy them up a lot more. And you'll notice that obviously it's something MDT recognised because their Gen 1s versus their Gen 2s, their Gen 2s are heaps tighter. Oh, okay. Much tighter. Yep. So MDT obviously recognises as an issue and have fixed it mm-hmm. uh, or improved it mm-hmm. uh, into a, a bipod that doesn't have as much slop in it. So I would stay with the, uh, the the Skypods. So I've got a Skypod and I've got an Atlas, and we sell both. So I'm not particularly biased on either one. Uh, I use uh, Skypods are very unique in that you need to really know how to use them extremely well to make the most of them. Mm-hmm. Very uh, very usable in competition circumstance. Uh, I haven't used mine enough to to get the most out of it. Anytime I go to shoot off a tire, though, like a tire that's round, mm-hmm. like. One of those tires are not real. <laughs> oh, square ones are right. bastards. <laughs> look, look at me making Josh level looks. Uh, anyway, so um, one of those ones that's like flat on the ground. And so you've got like a quite a width across it. I'll generally run the skypod across that so you can get the width of it and then you put it on and it gives you a really, you know, comforting, comfort set, whereas the Atlas obviously wouldn't. You either have to go off the, the front of it and lean all the way over the tyre or if you go the back of it and, and sort of really cramp up a little bit. And so they have their place. But, mm-hmm. you know, I'll go from that and I'll move across to, like, the front of a car or something like that and I'll yeet the, the Skypod off and put the Atlas back on and move, move across to that because I find the Atlas locks up better, is more comfortable, more solid to shoot from. So yeah. that's that's uh, that's my experience with it. I, I haven't thought about it in that way that you're talking about it. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll go watch Pete's video and see what he says. Um, but I wonder if that was done with a Gen 1. I think it was at Gen 2, actually. Gen 2? I think. Um, not entirely sure, uh, so I don't really want to pass comment. But <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed like there was a lot more movement. than like I, I remember watching the video, getting my Atlas there, and I'm like, this, I, I wouldn't this, see it as desirable. No. If there was a lot of movement, I suspect it was a Gen 1. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 But I'll, I'll, go, I'll go watch the video and, mm. uh, and if, yeah, if I disagree with him. <laughs> Let him know. I beat him in a drinking competition, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I've got that going for me. <laughs> well, the South Africans would be able to drink. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Well, there you go. We've just witnessed uh, firsthand customer service and recommendation from Rusty to – Josh, perfect questions. So. Yeah, it was yeah. it was an off-air question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've been thinking that for the last like couple of weeks, and I'm like, oh, what do I do? Do I just buy one or not? And then, obviously, knowing that you were coming on, I'm like, oh wait, that's <laughs> the question. Set him up. Yeah. Set him up. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. Well, Rusty is a busy man. We should let him go. We've held him up long enough, and you've been very generous with your time, Rusty. So no we worries. do have to say a big thank you Thanks to you. So. Mm. Oh, easy. Thanks for, for having me on the podcast. And uh, yeah, how can people get a hold of you? On Instagram and, and all that. And your website, if your business, all that sort of gear, do the oh, plug yeah. thing. All right. Scoped out on everything. Projector Warehouse on everything. Uh, Impact on Amex is the most fun to watch when we put up the most stupid content on there uh, <laughs> yep. as well. Um, if you if you want to check out PRS, Precision Rifle Series, uh, across everything, you'll find us pretty much on or all those brands you, you'll find on, uh, where do we go? Josh, Josh needs me. The prompt is you'll be <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, TikTok, uh, and Vero, and you can find us on Be Real as well. What the you want all hell those never Vero. <laughs> We got another podcast. Yeah, don't worry about that, Josh. <laughs> the, last, the last one was called Instagram is dead, and there's reasons why. So anyway, Instagram's dead. Lonely Vero. Uh, here we go. <laughs> well, we've delved down another whole pathway. Let's let's end this podcast before Josh walks in and we start talking social media. Sounds <laughs> good. Out. Let's get out of here, Rusty. Thank you. Easy. Have a good night, mate. Thank, thank you right. very much, man. Cheers, boys. Easy. Tune in next week. Catch ya. Catch ya. Catch you later. Jesus, that was terrible, Caleb. <laughs> 
Catch you, ladies and gentlemen, next week. See you later. Good week, man. Fucking hell. <laughs>